0: I mean, I normally don't like to do intros just because it's kind of, like, too professional. I, yeah. I like to keep it casual just because I hate watching those interviews where it's just that interviewer just, like, berating them with yeah. the questions and not letting them talk. And I, I grew up, like, listening to Joe Rogan. Yeah. He, he sure. just he just lets people talk. Yeah. So that's Yeah, it. and
1: then he kind of, like, picks his moments to, like, ask, you know, yeah. whenever his interest is peaked, you know, that's when he, like, jumps in, you know.
0: Yeah. But... Some, I don't know. Sometimes he, like, talks too much, which is, like, more it's recent. He's funny, though, dude. It is hilarious. I, I like when he does, like, uh, I don't know, like with uh, Randall Carson. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if
1: you know some of those yeah. guys. They, uh... Or Neil deGrasse Tyson.
0: Oh, yeah those, yeah, those are great. Like, anytime he has, like, a scientist on, like... Because, yeah, like, like he, he, he posts, like, his IQ is, like, 130, but he, he's not as well-read. So yeah. he, he can, like, extract more of, like, a, a casual, like layman level yeah. uh, explanation out of like professionals compared to like if just two like PhDs is bound back and forth then like a regular person will like it just fly right over yeah. there. head
1: yeah no it's crazy that he's like he's not only a super smart guy like he's very intellectually uh, like he's he's up there you know like he his brain just operates on a different level than most people where he can, like, yeah. he can talk the talk with a lot of different, like, scientists and, oh, yeah. like... Pretty so much like, anyone. Yeah, yeah, any like, expert. he can go from Jordan Peterson to Neil deGrasse Tyson to Theo Vaughn, you know? Yeah, like yeah. he can to like, a
0: fighter yeah. like, that's never made it to through high school. Right,
1: yeah, yeah. and he can relate with everybody, so it's, it's pretty cool to, like, sit down and watch him, like, just communicate, like, the way that he communicates with people is, like, it's very effective, you know? Yeah, so...
0: That's a very underrated skill I think is For to sure. be able to like talk to people with a any background and be able to actually like sometimes sometimes conversations they just die if, yeah. if two people like that they, they had have no like rapport or, right what do you call it?
1: yeah and Joe's like he's able to always find like at least some kind of like common ground with the person yeah where he can he can maybe not relate but he can feed the conversation still you mm-hmm. know yeah and if he doesn't know he'll tell you like I'm you know I don't know much about this. Oh, you know? can't do
0: that anymore. You you got to yeah. be an expert in everything right. or you got to pretend like right. you make your uh, Yeah, it, it's it's honestly kind of embarrassing when people do that cuz it, it's, yeah. it's pretty easy to tell if you have Yeah, no idea what you're yeah. About.
1: I mean, <laughs> especially when you start going off and like just you're trying to BS your way through like just get to the next point, you know, and everybody's like this guy's an idiot.
0: Yeah. When when did you start listening to Rogan? Do what? When did you start listening to Rogan?
1: Oh, um Honestly, he started showing up on my YouTube, like, feed uh, probably a couple years ago now. Two, or three years ago. Right, but, yeah, yeah he's uh, he's hilarious, dude. I always sit down and try to... He's got his stuff on Spotify now. Um, yeah,
0: that I didn't really like that at the beginning. I was like, yeah. I don't want to be pigeonholed to one thing, but...
1: Yeah, well, I mean, and Spotify includes a video as well, which mm. I didn't realize that until... Actually, this semester, probably the beginning of the semester. Yeah. But... I was, I was like, man, this is almost two hours long. I don't know that I want to sit down and listen to the whole thing, but I'll put it on when I'm doing laundry or something like that. You know? Yeah.
0: It's a good like a uh, background noise. Yeah. yeah. I, I do like a lot of traveling. So if, yeah. if I'm just like, I have 13 hours to drive, I'll just put it on a podcast yeah. and I'll kill like it. Well,
1: one thing that like struck my interest was, uh, or th- I thought it was hilarious was when Neil deGrasse Tyson was talking about how some infinities are bigger than others. And, <laughs> <laughs> and Joe was sitting there like his mind was just absolutely blown. He was like, doesn't infinity mean that like it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger like how can one infinity be bigger than the other
0: uh, i have to re listen to that cuz you really have
1: to take calculus in order to understand that though you know like to the average joe you know no pun intended like that's that would be a very very difficult <laughs> very difficult thing yeah
0: that does, that's something i've appreciated since i've been talking to um, a bunch of grad students and phds is yeah. once we have like a common level of Education, like we know, we all pass calculus, like all the engineering courses. Like yeah. we're, we're both about to graduate, and like there's a certain level of okay, I, I, we, I could have confidence that we could talk about these things, and I, I don't have to you know, like, slow it down or dumb it down at all. Yeah, which it, it's it's nice to be able to talk to, like, not have to worry, like, uh. Do, are you just saying that you get it? Like is, is right. the freshman in front of just like yeah. nodding for no yeah. reason, even though it's like, it, yes, I understand. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I appreciate it. And yeah, yeah, that's what something with that, uh, why I wanted to talk to you. Cause we have, we, uh, when we were taking machine design and you were talking about, um, you, you were doing work with the uh y-12 yeah and tell telling me some you know crazy stories about yeah yeah some yeah. of the security uh, guys yeah, that you run into
1: yeah it's honestly it's kind of like showing up to the planner so i work for a company called ucor um and they oversee a lot of the uh, nuclear contaminated you know radioactive uh, contaminated buildings uh so we uh we do a lot of work it's like a w- I think it's a one point eight billion dollar contract that they just signed for the next ten years, mm-hmm. so and the contract just started, they partnered with jacobs um so there's a it's a big operation going there, but yeah if, every day going into the plan, it's like am I gonna get in? is my badge gonna work you know like so and I've seen people i've seen them turn people around where like they've gotta shut the whole thing down and really? they've gotta like make sure that this one car turns around and gets out, you know like they will shut down all four lanes, two lanes in, two lanes out, oh. to make sure that that car turns around. And it's armed guards everywhere. Like, we're not talking like you know your everyday off the sh- you know on the corner uh, security service. This is like former military type.
0: Okay, so they're, they're not the uh, the army or whatever. No, but they are. Uh, as far as I'm
1: aware, it is it is like contracted. Okay. Um, they they bring people in, and it just so happens that most of them. From what I know, are former military. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Well, why would they have to turn someone around? Is it just their badge not working, or is it actually someone that? Yeah. Uh,
1: well, so if you're coming in from the Knoxville area, so if you're going from Knoxville to Oak Ridge, which it's like a 20, 25 minute drive, yeah. if you're coming in from Knoxville, where you get off the interstate, if you end up going straight uh through like the one light that's there between the interstate and getting into uh o r well let's see here, yeah, that would be o r and getting into there uh you're you're driving on this long straight road, and then all of a sudden you're just at the guard check, so like yeah, if somebody doesn't know what they're doing, you know and their g p s gets them turned around or something like that, you know yeah. they end up going through this guard check nowhere to turn around. And they're like, oh, no, like this was not where I <laughs> intended to be. So they've got to shut everything down because obviously you don't have clearance or yeah. a guest pass or something like that. And so they have to turn them around and get them back toward the interstate. Oh,
0: man. So, yeah. Are there like any like no trespassing signs? Oh, or, yeah. Like, well,
1: or... I mean, yeah, it's more so like on the like if you're driving inside the plant, like there's like areas that are posted like no foot traffic, like you're not you know without authorization now they do have like it's interesting TWRA has uh like sponsored hunts inside like deer hunting and turkey hunting TWRA Uh, yeah so the Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency um I'm a big outdoorsman so every year you know I've got some buddies that will apply you have so there I think there's only like 10 guys that get drawn for each unit uh inside there's I think there's four or five different units but um there's only 10 guys. I think it's like five rifle and five archery tags that they draw. Wow. But it's, it's because there's literally all the wildlife inside of ORNL. And it's a, it's a 63,000 acre uh, oh. uh, facility. Like yeah. between ORNL, ETTP, and uh, Y12, it's like 63,000 acres. It's a huge amount of land. Oh, yeah. And so all the wildlife, they don't have any. Any kind of uh, natural predator, natural. Yeah. Like other than, you know, your coyotes or whatnot, yeah. but like there are no hunters.
0: But that right. So but like, also, yeah. I
1: think it's, it's also partially that they're wanting to monitor how the radiation is affecting the wildlife mm. in that area because there is so much radioactive waste in the soil. Oh, really? So, so if
0: you walk around on the guy counter, just like in the woods there, you're
1: going to. Yeah. Sure. So they actually have these, um, like say, you know, a storm blows through, you know, oh, and yeah. you have a big tree that falls across the road. They obviously have to clear the tree. Well, they have special people that are like designated people and equipment that they go and they have to use these special chainsaws that they have marked for special radioactive. Chainsaws. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a chainsaw, but it's like it can only yeah. be used inside yeah. of this area, you know. Um, so they'll end up cutting it up and then they send it through a wood chipper and they have to leave it just to sit there and just naturally, de- you know, degrade mm. over time because they can't burn it. Because they'd be launching, you know, radioactive ash (laughs) into the air. So it's like, because the trees are actively like kicking radiation. It's nuts. So yeah, that's at least that's from, from what I've been told and the people I've worked with, that's, that's kind of the, the word on the street through there is that, you know, literally you can't take anything out of there. Like. Even the even the wildlife, whenever, you know, TWRA has those hunts, That's like they have they have to be checked by TWRA and they have people that come out and monitor, they'll actually do radioactive tests on the animal to make sure that there's no active radiation inside that animal. But they if they check it, will they be able to take it out at ever at all or Yeah. So like if it comes I have never personally hunted inside of ORNO. Um hopefully that changes here in the next few years when I move up there, but um, yeah, from what I understand, you're able to take it as long as it comes back fine. Really, but you could not pay me to eat. Oh, <laughs> well, you don't want any whole powers. No, I'm not willing to test fate. That's not for me. Oh, man. So, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's crazy, man. Yeah, that's it's, wild. It, there's a uh, so inside of ORNL. Um, I was I was working um in one of the buildings uh, where we were pulling plugs off the top of the reactor, and these are like four by uh, or sorry, six by 12 foot long by three foot thick concrete blocks that they sit on top of the, uh, the reactor pools. Yeah. And, uh, you've got to use a crane to pull these things off. So I worked for the hoisting and rigging crew inside of UCOR. And so we were overseeing the project and, um, we had broke for lunch or something like that on, on one of our intern tour days, you know, that we're, they're just kind of taking us around to see a bunch of different buildings. So, um, right next door was the experimental graphite reactor, um, Ooh. from, you know, back in the world war Two era where they were just kind of trying to test and see, you know, what, what different mediums they could use inside of these reactors. And, um, so We go to lunch, and we're coming back, and uh, you have to take, like, this little bitty alleyway-type walkway from the big gravel parking lot to get to this building. And uh, it's kind of a blind, like, it's real narrow, and then all of a sudden it just spits you out right there in the middle, in between the building I was working at at the time and this graphite reactor. And uh, there's a, there's an armed guard that's just standing just out of sight right behind this corner, and so I walk out and, and I just caught a glimpse of him, and he's just standing there with you know his, you know he's fully kitted out you yeah. know body armor yeah, you know rifle. guys just yeah. you know dead serious. And he's got his, you know, he's got his AR kind of like how you'd see the military, you know, and, you know, something like the Afghanistan videos or something. He's just standing there at the ready and he just makes direct eye contact with me. And I said, oh, crap, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So I was like, am I supposed to be here or no? But, yeah, no, it was it was uh, it was funny. But, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. They've got all kinds of different rules and regulations like you. uh, You could be walking down, you know the the main strip there in ORNL where all these you know research buildings and and uh, all these guys you know with suit fully suited out briefcase you know just yeah. walking out of this meeting full of Einsteins you know you'll be walking down and then all of a sudden you just look and there's this big fence that says you're on camera you know do yeah. not approach fence you know. Uh, deadly forth- forces authorized, all that kind yeah, of stuff. And you're already inside. And, and you're already inside there's another of this uh, higher yeah, level of so security. There's, there's top secret areas inside of this regulated area already. You know, like yeah. you've got to have a badge to get into o- ORNL, but then you have to have mi- like special government DOE clearance to wow. get into yeah. the highly restricted areas is what they call them. So, yeah, yeah that's... So my bosses would go into these highly restricted areas and I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm trying to help them do drawings and whatnot. And so I've got to operate based on what they're telling me uh, without having, cause you can't take pictures, you can't really? take video, you can't have any kind of Bluetooth uh, device. So like Apple watches, Yeah, no wireless signal, no, through. no, no earbuds, no cell phone. Like my boss would say like, leave your phone, leave your watch, leave your headphones in the car. Like, All right, yeah. so yeah, it's, That's it's crazy, crazy man.
0: Man, so like I, I've been mostly working with like automotive, and that's like the wild west, like no yeah. regulation, just throw it at the wall if it sticks. Uh, there's like aerospace, like the commercial, and then there's like the DoD level aerospace, yeah. which is like more high t- like tech, top secret stuff. And yeah. then I'm for I think air, the nuclear stuff probably is the highest re- amount of uh, red tape, where you you you, you cannot talk yeah. about any, not even pictures. Like yeah, that's a. Uh, It's like, it is crazy.
1: Yeah. My, uh, so my brother-in-law, he actually does a lot of, uh, he's a computer science guy. So he does a lot of programming. Um, and he's actually contracted with a company that works with the military, with the air force. Yeah. Um, and you know, just kind of talking about, you know, how secretive, you know, some of the stuff is, it's just like, you know, he's not even able to tell my sister, his wife, you know, about anything, you know, it's just, it's like you know if I was I'm single but like if I was to you know talk to my mom or something like that you know like I can't tell her just
0: the random passing comment yeah how was your day
1: yeah yeah and some of it I feel like I almost feel like you know since I'm working inside of ORNL and Y12 and like all this kind of you know these crazy projects that they've got us on it's like she could ask me what I'm doing and I'm like I can tell you I'm making this lifting fixture but I don't know what it's lifting (laughs) you know like that's that's you know i'm just as blind as she is which yeah. i plan on getting my my clearance uh once i get there and work full time yeah as an intern it's not important as much because you know i'm only there for two or three months but uh once i get there full time you know that's definitely a plan is to go through and get get my uh clearance so yeah. but that won't change anything about me being able to talk you know no. uh, certain certain subjects but um yeah right now I, I just i can say i don't know you know like so they sent me a project at the very beginning of the semester where I was uh, creating a, a basically a modified spreader bar um but it was a triangular plate it had it had three yeah. holes punched in it just to okay. basically yeah. distribute the load and uh yeah I I was like you know, I was talking to my boss and he was like, you know, I can't tell you what it's for, but, you know, this is the load that it'll have, you know, on it. And so I'm just running all these different, you know, uh, basically factor of safety calculations. Is it safe? Yeah. Um, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, what kind of stress is it going to see? Um, you know, how high could we crank, you know, the weight and still be within, a, you know, the factor of safety? All that kind of stuff. All right, so so
0: you know some general properties and the the geometries of it?
1: Well, no, not Not, even the geometries. Not not even what it looks like? It's literally like, hey, this thing weighs about this much. About, okay. About this much, you know? They they can't tell you Yeah, so what they'll do is they'll say like, okay, this thing should weigh about this much, right? But to be conservative, we're going to go 120% of that load, you know? So they'll crank it way above what they think it is just to make sure like you're not gonna yep. ever see any any fracture you know yeah so uh,
0: you know the game telephone yeah Where you tell like, <laughs> yes, people, yes yes it's, it's like that but you're you're dealing with the engineering of a uh, nuclear uh waste like right that's yeah pretty, uh, that's pretty yeah sketchy <laughs>
1: well and it's not necessarily that we're just lifting straight up radioactive material um mm-hmm. some of that i'm sure is happening but a lot of it is like contaminated pumps that they use mm-hmm. um at these water treatment facilities um, or, you know, say, uh, some kind of, uh, generator or, you know, something like that, that has a uh, radioactive material that's been po- processed through it. Yeah. Um, so it's just gotta be, uh, monitored and made, made sure that it's not gonna dump out any extra waste into the environment when they take it out. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that, uh, you got this opportunity cause it, it seems like you're pretty, uh, pretty knowledgeable and you're excited about it yeah
1: i'm I'm excited i so i was working with a lot a lot of the other interns uh, are from ut um and they have a nuclear program there um i'm mechanical engineering so i obviously don't know as much about nuclear uh, uh the nuclear side of things but i'm definitely eager to learn about that and a lot of the engineers there are super helpful in you know explaining like okay this is you know, uh, this is how this works, or or you know, just talking about a lot of the um, the way that the 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 react the reactions that are happening are okay. are, yeah. are taking place. So um, that, or just a lot of the hazards. You know, they're very knowledgeable about you know uh, how radi- radiation works and and the importance of it because a lot of what DOE is focusing on is moving towards like small modular reactors, uh, especially with the electrical grid right now, because a lot of it's coal powered. Mm -hmm. So what they're trying to do is move towards these small modular reactors, which one could power the city of Cookville, you know, and it it would be, you know, not even the size of one of these, these uh, school buildings. So, yeah, it's uh it's just a fact that it's, you know, radioactive. You know, and, and radiation that people are like, oh, I don't want, you know. Yeah,
0: but there's acceptable levels of radiation
1: that won't yeah, harm yeah. people. Well, yeah. and that's, so DOE has a, a tolerance um, of, okay, this is how much uh, radiation that you're allowed to be exposed to in an annual time period, you yeah. know, um, which is not much above, I think it's 400 millirem, which is not much at all. I think on average people see two to 300 millirem. Just from your microwave, from yeah. you know, every day from the sun, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, they're they're pretty strict on it, and uh, they do. We wear these monitors uh, mm-hmm. on our lanyards that yeah. will detect how much radiation we see per quarter, and then you keep swapping out. So they just keep track of how much you've been exposed to. Which, like I said, hardly ever do yeah. they do they see somebody that's stepped into an area unless you're out, you know, in a in a building that they've knocked down that had something they had no idea, you know, was there. Yeah. And in that case, they're already sending people with specialized, you know, suits and protection um, yeah. on. So um, for somebody like me to be going into, you know, one of these, uh, you know, experimental reactors that's been monitored for the past, gosh, 50, 60, 70 years, it's very unlikely that I'm going to see any kind of radioactive contamination. But they yeah. still, we still have the, you know, the radiation monitors. You got to, uh, you basically have to scan yourself you know, uh when you when you're going out. So if you if you go in, you gotta scan your hands, you gotta yes. scan your feet, you know, make sure you're not tracking in or out any okay. any extra radiation. Yeah. So it's just it's very stringent. Like the first oh yeah. The first probably month of the internship was just training. Mm-hmm. Like what do you do if this happens? What do you you know, what's a proper way to enter a building, what's a proper way to exit a building. Wow. Yeah. Things to look out for. So yeah, you gotta be a very uh detail focused uh, for, sure.
0: for person to for have sure. a job like that. What uh, what do you do if you have a unacceptable amount of radiation contamination?
1: So if you've been exposed to or if you like are you saying like if you come out of or if you're going out of building. Yeah, if you're
0: exposed and, to like if you accidentally go into a place that has uh radiation. Yeah,
1: you're supposed to let the um basically the 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 building manager know. Um he's supposed to be there whenever you're going in or doing any kind of activities inside of that which each building has a a uh, a manager that you know oversees the whole building yeah. so um but you're supposed to let them know and uh they basically go and get radcon which is you know they go in and, and they'll mm-hmm. help you you know figure out what happened and you know uh where were you all that kind of stuff so okay. Um, they'll so they'll not- basically backtrack to where, you know, and hopefully find whatever radioactive material. Right, so they're more in.
0: focused on the, the building and not you. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, no, in like it, it rarely, I mean, I don't think there's been a recorded case of dangerous mm. levels of exposure. Oh, that's good. I, I was
0: uh, yeah, that's what I was basically expecting, but yeah. I, I was hoping that, that um, they, they would have some, I know, human precautions, like, you know, yeah. like the chemistry, like shower yeah. or anything. Yeah. Like any stupid. No. Well, and I know. mean
1: like they, so the main, uh, real health concern would be like asbestos, uh, really? because okay. a lot of these buildings are from the thirties, forties, fifties, you know, so they were putting asbestos in, you know, the insulation for all the pipes in the paint on the walls, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. um, that's really, you know, the, 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 the stuff that you could inhale from just being in a, in a building is more of what they're concerned with. You <laughs> more know? dangerous than the radiation. Yeah, and, like, they have each of the buildings posted with what potential hazards you could encounter. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they have, like, uh, asbestos abatement teams that go in, and they just, you know, basically anything that would be contaminated with asbestos, they go through and, and uh, try and clear it out, so.
0: Yeah, wow. That's, um... I was expecting it to be as the... As stringent as that, but I I did realize that it's going to be really old buildings. Like some of the uh, reactors that we've been able to keep alive, that's it's pretty impressive that they're still, you know, efficient and compared to like some of all the new technologies that you're talking about.
1: Yeah, well, a lot of these buildings are what they call cold and dark, where they're not active anymore. So they've like disconnected the power. They've disconnected, you know, uh, a lot of the utilities um, uh, power. So far as like you know, just to the 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 reactor itself they just okay, you know yeah. they'll disconnect that so there's not a potential for any you know issues but you know you still have lights and stuff like that that you know obviously when you're in the building uh, are on so um but yeah it's it's uh it's crazy they've i mean they've got everything super super tight it's a very tight run oh, yeah. very uh stringent rules based you know and if you break if you break that code going in or coming out, you know, that's mm-hmm. your job right there. I so mean, as it should be, you yeah. know, cause you've got to be very careful with this stuff. Yeah. They can't right. lax the, uh, right. The
0: regulations just right. because, you know, you make a mistake, but, um, man, I, I, I can never do Jeff like that. Uh, yeah. I'm glad that I, I am doing well and on like the automotive side cause yeah. they're a little more lax and so, so like the attention to detail that you're talking about. Like I would just, I don't know, forget like, Oh, I need to go back and then yeah. forget to do something to clock in or whatever. Yeah. That is well, a,
1: luckily um, the clock in clock out thing, they, uh, just an example. It, yeah. It's really, it's really just like, um, for that, as far as like timekeeping, they're very, uh, you know, uh, it's more of an honor-based thing where it's like you go in, you work the amount of hours that you're you're supposed to get. Like for me, we work four 10-hour days a week. So we get Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. So I could go in at 5.30 and with my hour break, you know, I'll leave at 3.30. Yeah. So as long as I get my 10 hours, they don't care if I come in at 6, 7, 8 o'clock. Yeah. As long as you get in there and get your work done yeah. and get your hours. so. But, which is also nice because it allows you a lot more freedom. Like, if you value your evenings more, you know, you can work up until, you know, two thirty, three 3 o'clock, 3.30, if you want to come in early enough, and then you've got the whole evening to yourself. So, it's that's also a nice thing. I didn't plan on going into nuclear. It was, honestly, they gave me an offer last semester. Uh, they asked me for an interview, and I was like, heck, yeah. Um, so, I went in completely not knowing anything about what they did or anything like that and um, it was definitely a a huge blessing to be able to go and and, uh, not only work but to learn all summer so
0: yeah that's great because I would imagine something that that uh, prestigious would place that they would want people with experience but if if you are sure that you have good uh, skills and uh, like um, if you're motivated then they'll be able to teach anyone with that level but I'm a. I was also interested in some of the stuff that you were talking about. Like um, we're focused on, like, because I'm working with Dr. Chen's group, and he's working with EVs that are based on. In Tennessee, there's a good amount of hydro and renewables, but there's also still in America a lot of coal power plants. So I was wondering, what do you think about places like in Europe that are shutting down nuclear plants compared to United States that are still investing in it?
1: Yeah, um, I think if we – I'm by no means an expert, but I think if we're going to move to full electric like vehicles and really try to cut down on carbon emissions and whatnot, um, I think nuclear is the way to go. I think there is so much energy that can be harvested from nuclear materials that we're not even getting the max potential out of right now. Um, uh-huh. The The older nuclear reactors – uh, I believe, were sub-50% harvesting uh, you know, the nuclear energy that's available. So these small modular reactors uh, that I've been talked to about and have tried to research a little bit um, on my own, they, uh, they seem to be the way that uh, the nuclear industry is moving towards. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, you know, each country has their own, uh, policies and oh. views on the nuclear industry, which is why a lot of them are shutting down. And I think, um, you know, the catastrophic catastrophic events that mm-hmm. have happened, you know, say Chernobyl or, um, you know. Fukushima. Yeah, right. Like each of those were completely due to human oversight. Yeah. Not because of a procedural thing that, you know, went wrong or something that was unexpected happened. It was completely on somebody who was not paying attention. Mm-hmm you know, did not do their job correctly. And unfortunately a lot of people paid for it. So, yeah,
0: Yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate how public perception can affect some, you know, science related uh, problem that I don't know. I I also have the same opinion that nuclear energy should be one of the major producers of energy just because of the uh, way that there's just the the downside of it, I, I think is a little overblown compared to the potential upside. If we invest enough, I mean, we're still we're still working with a fission technology, right? Where can you go through some of the uh, how it produces energy just from like raw raw you know nuclear uh, material.
1: So, from taking the material into creating energy,
0: yeah, just like a simple like uh, like it creates like a chain reaction when within the uh, once you basically ignite it, that it'll produce like a, like a. I'm um, um, steam basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So basically it's, it's what they're doing with the nuclear reaction is, is they're on, on a, on a large scale, they're producing heat mm. and then they take and they'll heat steam with that heat from the nuclear reaction. Um, so without me being, you know, super, uh, uh, sound and, you know, the that's nuclear right. energy, you know, uh, that's, that's really what's happening is they're, they're creating an environment inside of the reactor that, uh, that basically is what, what they'll say uh, uh, creating criticality, um, mm. which is uh, where you become very unstable. As a, as a uh, nuclear material, it becomes very unstable, um, and heat is produced from the splitting of these atoms. So on a large scale, you know, you're passing water through uh, by this heat, and it's creating steam, and so on and so forth. So just how you would with a coal plant, you know, or maybe natural gas heating water and then creating steam through that. It's the same type of uh, of thing once you get to the heat yeah. aspect. So, yeah,
0: it's crazy how like all the uh, energy producing uh, engines are the same fundamental concept, it even from coming from like a steam you know engine where they're like, yeah. shoving coal and then that's creating like a train, right? Or um, even like now we're just creating. Um, like it, like you just talked about nuclear power plants, it's yeah. it's the same fundamental concept. It's just the material that you're using that creates the energy is a lot a lot more refined and right. a lot less. Um, like oh, the, there's no emissions that come from a nuclear power plant. It, you just have to take like it's there. Um, the thing that it's passing through is those are the fuel rods, right? Yeah, that those heat up mm-hmm. when they're they're either plutonium or they the don't uranium. Use uranium. Okay,
1: yeah, yeah, either either one. I mean, uh, I believe they're getting. Away from well, no, sorry. Uranium, I think, is the is the select fuel right now. Really? Um, plutonium is it has a, a very high uh, likelihood of becoming very unstable, um, and oh, okay. it, it's a very violent reaction, from okay. what I understand. So, uh, yeah. I don't know how uh, you know what percentage are using uranium, what percentage are okay. using plutonium, but um, you know that's we're more so uh, focused on taking care of the buildings that have previously been in operation and are now not in operation so uh as far as active power plants uh, you know your guess is really as good as mine as to yeah. how how those things are, are yeah. operating or what they're using yeah. It's the higher clearance will know <laughs> right yeah yeah well i know a lot of the buildings uh a lot of the reactors inside of oak ridge were using uranium okay. so i know that was that was a very popular fuel um for these reactors okay. so
0: yeah i didn't know that uh Plutonium would have. I mean, I, I guess it makes sense that plutonium would be more uh, violent. I, I watched a documentary about the uh, original Manhattan Project mm-hmm. and the uh, the little man and the fat or the fat man and the little boy. Yeah, they, they were one was uranium, mm-hmm. other one was plutonium. Yeah, and they I think they achieved similar. Uh, results in terms of uh, kilotonnage based on the same amount of material.
1: There's also a story, um, I forget where it's from, but uh, basically they had a plutonium core that was split in half, Mm. and a guy was holding it apart with a screwdriver, and uh, just, yeah, and I mean, like, that's... The demon core, yeah, I saw saw the video of that too. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. crazy, I mean, like, just, just the, I mean without better term, you know, the balls on that guy to just sit there. And I mean, of course, they didn't know, you know, like, yeah. I don't think they, they knew what they were dealing with right there. You yeah. know, they're a screwdriver away from a very, very bad day. So,
0: oh, man. Yeah, it's it's crazy how fast technology progressed, where they, they even the scientists, they were just trying things that had, they didn't know the consequences of. There, the, theory, the theory was behind the implementation, yeah. and yeah, I think what the amount of radiation that they achieved, like they, they uh, absorbed in that like at a fraction of a second when they accidentally like let it close, and all the, the radiation was able to um, emit from it was. Them out like more than like if you were standing like next to Nagasaki. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, I don't I don't really understand um, something like the the principles behind that, but I mean, you see like, the videos of uh, the, like the U.S. soldiers when they were dropping the bombs and like um, doing the tests before World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, that so just some of like the the crazy stuff that the DOD did just to <laughs> to get
1: around some of that. Yeah. Thing. Like. I hope they like they got I don't know compensated <laughs> for for the cancer they got right. Uh, unfortunately, I think there really isn't much compensation to be had, uh, mm-hmm. just because like with with radioactive stuff, it it will mess you up. Yeah. Like if you if you are exposed, it it is a very very bad day. Um, yeah. But um, like I said, a lot of that is due to somebody's uh, negligence or yes. oversight in a situation, yeah. which in in uh, in training they were talking about um, there was uh, basically some radioactive uh, uh, leakage in one of the systems uh, that they were researching uh, inside of either ORNO or Y12 I don't remember but um, basically uh, once they had so much of this uh, radioactive uh, substance dripping into a bucket mm-hmm. it became critical because the amount of mass that inside the bucket reach criticality wow. for the container that it was in. And yeah. so everybody in the building on that floor got dosed. And oh, it was, wow. yeah, it was a bad, bad situation. I think that's uh, the most recent accident um, as far as radio radioactive exposure inside of the plant. But that's been 30, 40, 50 years ago even. Okay. So it's it's been a long time since they've had you know, yeah, an, an issue like that.
0: So yeah, most nuclear plants are very safe for the yeah. most part. So can you tell me about? I mean, you work with the, the nuclear waste, so that that is primarily my concern. I think a lot of people's concerns is like, what do you do with once the fuel rods are spent? So what, what are there ways to recycle it? Like, what do you?
1: So that's with these uh, with these small modular reactors. Um, they are actually able to harvest more energy from the the radioactive material. Um, from what I have heard and from what I've read. Um, so with an increase in efficiency, they're able to use old radioactive, what was spent fuel. Um, so that would, that would also, you know, you wouldn't have to go and search for new fuel. You'd be able theoretically to use some of the old fuel that hadn't had all of its energy, uh, absorbed from it or, or harvested from it rather. So, um, uh, I think, uh, if we're able to harvest more of that energy and and reduce the the radioactive waste and contamination that we would be burying or doing whatever with, um, I I think people would be a lot more uh, open to the idea of using radioactive material um, to produce energy. But luckily for us, uh, concrete is a very good insulator for radioactive material. So um, that's why a lot of, you know, doomsday bunkers or whatnot are concrete, you know around the yeah. outside um so they have a lot of uh, containers that are concrete containers that they will uh put the radioactive material inside and cap and then uh what they've done is bury a lot of it um so and they'll uh they'll go and they'll monitor the soil to make sure nothing is leaking uh which unfortunately you know with anything it's some things are going to leak you know and some things are are not gonna uh, go to plan, but uh, I think for the most part they've been very successful in 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 taking care of that waste and monitoring the environment. Uh, uh, so far, removed from burying, you know, certain certain materials. Like I know they they've buried entire excavators and uh, <laughs> and whatnot because of yeah. radioactive exposure. You wow. know, so. They uh, they have to bury a lot of their tools, even you know that get exposed. Yeah. So, which is unfortunate because it's expensive, but yeah, uh, it takes a lot of space, right? Yeah.
0: So, what is the um say for a small modular to power a town? What is the amount of fuel or amount of waste that they have to uh, get rid of per year? Like, is, is it can you foresee like a future where we're mostly reliant on nuclear energy and there's enough? land for us to bury the waste?
1: Yeah, so I I do firmly believe that if we're wanting to go quote-unquote green, you know, as, as a lot of, you know, uh, politicians and media are, are trying to push towards, I think nuclear is the only way that we're going to be able to achieve that. Um, I don't know how much waste uh, would be produced per year from a small modular. Uh, I haven't really read into that much. Um, but uh, I do I do think it would be uh, a lot less than, you know, say your fossil fuels and, and whatnot, which, you know, a lot of the trucking industry, unfortunately, is very uh, heavily dependent on that. Obviously, our cars, um, but that's a whole nother, you know, whole nother issue. Uh, yeah, I mean, the
0: uh, IC engines and diesel engines have come a long way, and they're pretty much 99, over 99% uh, emissions have been cut from with a catalog kind of like converters. So I, th- I think that we're in a good spot. It's just the EPA keeps on um, pushing for them to get even more efficient. So I don't know how, if you're burning gasoline, which has, you know, CAH-18 has, you know, they'll eventually turn into the uh, carbon monoxide and for uh, NOx with diesel engines, the, the, it just it's going to be there. You can't like just,
1: you know, Take it out of right. reality somehow. There's always a byproduct. Yeah. Like people are saying, "Oh well, you know, there's no emissions." Well, that's that's, that's not true. true. There's no there's no physical way that that's even possible. Yeah. So, um, it's just it's converted from one one substance into another. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, it's just whether or not the the byproduct is going to be harmful yeah. or helpful. You know, so yeah.
0: Ever since I got into EVs, I, I started to realize that like even like a hundred percent battery cars might not be the answer that like it has to be some variation of hybrid, like a hybrid yeah, and the EVs. Cause yeah. there's only so much lithium if we don't have, um, I've, have
1: you heard of solid state batteries? I have. I'm, I don't know much about them, but I have yeah. heard. Yeah. They,
0: uh, <laughs> I've talked about them pretty much every single time I talk to someone, but, um, they're pretty much the, the lithium ion batteries right now are kind of like your Duracell where it actually has a liquid lithium, uh, uh core that it, it goes through a chemical process and it's able to produce electricity through that and with a solid state battery it uses different lithium is at, at room temperature is a liquid so they'll use different um, elements but it's, it's just a lot more advanced than a lithium ion and it should be able to produce close to 5 to 10x the amount of charge so like yeah a solid state battery now could probably it's still in like the experimental phase it should get at least a thousand miles. Okay. So that's where we want to go. But on the other hand, there's the, the material that goes into it is also, you know, like going to be cobalt and all these rare uh, elements. Yeah. So the feasibility of every single uh, vehicle being a solid battery is, uh, Not it's going to take a while and it's going to, yeah. it's going to create a lot of, you know, emissions. If we're going to be digging in places like Africa and South yeah. America for all these rare elements, yeah. that's, that has a lot of, uh, costs to it too. So it's, there's no perfect solution if you want to have a perfectly, you know, green. Right. Society. Well, even
1: the, even the substances that the batteries are made out of, yeah. you know, like it's, that's something else you got to look at and, and how, how green are we able to, yeah. Are we even going to be able to, to make our, you know, transportation or, yeah. or, uh, you know, the trucking industry. But I know like the Teslas, they're very good at getting, you know, zero to 60, yeah. but, maintaining that speed over long distances is the issue, and that's where I think the hybrid would probably flourish yeah. uh, the most is, uh, you know, being able to say, you know, in the city, you know, uh, you're you're on your, you know, electric, and, and then once you get on the highway, you're able to, to go those longer distances with oh, a yeah. hybrid, so... But yeah, it's, it's just, it's very interesting to see where the transportation industry is going. I also, so I talked with Dr. Chen when I was uh, in his class uh, for DMC last semester about, you know, joining his research. And unfortunately, I think he either got a little bit busy or things just fell through, but I never did end up getting on the team. Um, But, you know, just through his DMC class, you know, talking about, you know, the way that the electric vehicle industry is going, um, you know, and and the possibilities that they've been able to. Uh, uh, take, taking ideas and actually making them reality and, and uh, you know, making the electric car more efficient and and actually, uh, you know, making it feasible to have electric cars, you know, uh, even if it's just in the city, you know, for now, you know, hopefully long term, we're able to see more progress into, you know, uh, trucking industry and, you know, more uh, everyday use, you know, for somebody that's got to go however far to see family or whatnot. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's very interesting, and it's a, it's definitely a uh, uh, very quickly evolving industry right now. So, oh yeah,
0: I mean, it's it's crazy that the first Tesla was 2007, and now we have a, a decent a market share of different companies making electric cars and I, I just saw the new uh, tesla semi come out and that yeah. i'm i'm excited to see that because a lot of people are like dismissing it because of the amount of weight that it has they actually have a, a government like a uh, loophole where maximum uh tonnage of a regular semi is like 80,000 pounds, but they they were able to get 81,000 or so they, the the amount of um, range you have is limited on the battery weight basically right <laughs> and Hopefully that that will become more advanced, where we will be able to replace some of the uh, the diesel trucks. That yeah, um, that's like I, I think of pretty underrated about how much um, emissions that we have. Like, if you if you actually dig into the amount of um, CO two emitted, the, the amount of like transportation of like of public uh, passenger cars are, is very low. Like for regular people, yeah. Like the uh, shipping industry and also like airplanes, that those are like massive in the amount of um. CO two they emit so I'm right. excited to see what the aerospace and also the transportation
1: industry can do with the uh, EVs. Yeah, we've uh, we briefly we briefly touched on it. Um, I'm with Dr. Roberts in his uh, propulsion class right now. We've we briefly touched just the idea of electric aircraft and mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, it's a little bit more far fetched in in the uh, aircraft industry right now um, just purely because of the amount of thrust that's able to be produced uh, mm-hmm. with you know uh, with I guess electric, uh, airplane, you know, engines and whatnot. But, um, it's definitely, it's, it's going to take a lot of work, but I think if we're really willing to put in the time and the resources into developing systems, I mm-hmm. think we could get there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it's tough. Uh, it's tough when there's not, you know, a ton of government, you know, help going into, uh, really, creating you know i i mean maybe not government help but um well there it, is
0: a lot of uh a lot of funding from uh government going into passenger like tesla yeah. gets so much government uh, right funding. for for
1: vehicles you know for so, so for they like, aren't automotive. getting it in the i mean aerospace from and i could be completely wrong but at least from what i've been able to gather mm. um you know there's there's just not a ton of focus on it right now not as much as you know your automotive industry mm. um now I haven't been to conferences or or whatnot, you know, on on uh, the aerospace side of things, but um, I definitely think uh, if if we were really really uh, focused on uh, the aerospace industry, we could take leaps and bounds like the automotive industry and creating an electric airplane. So yeah, um, but yeah. we'll we'll see. I don't know. There's it's just it's hard to get away from. The fuel, like the jet fuel, it really? just there's so it, much thrust. That's oh produced. yeah, it's
0: so energy dense. That yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know,
1: it's it's just it's it's hard to get away from that. And the same thing with the cars. You know, like you, where I think uh, the 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 standard vehicle, you know, uh, uh gasoline vehicle engine is yeah. only like 35 percent efficient at best. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of energy in there that could even be further. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. harvested. Well, that,
0: so. that's I'm taking icy engine with Dr. Chen, and yeah. there, there's a lot of limitations. Yeah. When we talked about um, just what ha- has to happen for a gasoline to be transmitted into the the, the wheels, there's just right. so many uh, systems that every single one cuts the efficiency losses. down. Yeah. So there's a lot of heat losses, a lot of uh, translational losses yeah. when you're you basically when you, your piston goes up and down, you had to turn that into a rotation yeah. like a bunch of times. So your transmission, differential, the drive yeah. tr- uh, drive shaft.
1: That. It's it's probably not going to get that much better. But it's back to the game of telephone, man. Yeah. It's, it's it's one system to another to another, and yeah. the, you're encountering losses at each stage. And yet, you know?
0: like even like my twelve like yeah twelve gallon car can get four hundred miles, which. It's, it's, it's really nice. And then you can just, you know, fill up at a gas station in like five minutes yeah. compared to a
1: battery right now. You right. Know. That, and that's the other thing with the transportation industry, you know, with the truckers, like these guys are time dependent, you oh, know, yeah. and they can't afford to sit there and wait three, you know, three, four, five hours for their trucks to recharge, oh, yeah. you know. So that's that's there's just a whole lot of pieces to this puzzle that have got to align yeah. um, in order for things to really switch.
0: So uh, yeah, I want to talk to you about the, the propulsion. So um, I talked to Dr. Paradis a little bit, and yeah, he said that aerospace is pretty uh, far behind in terms of EVs, but they want to eventually look into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if the limitation on what they're waiting for is like I don't know peak oil. I know that's just like a thing. It, it, if if there's enough oil then or enough uh, fuel for the airplanes, I don't see a reason to like th- there isn't. I'm still trying to wrap around. Is there a good reason for everything to be electric? And I mean, I haven't looked into the like gas, uh, greenhouse emissions of airplanes, but for aerospace and for truckers to all be electric, like, what is the, have you looked, uh, did uh, Dr. Roberts talk about how much thrust compared to uh, a EV, uh, a regular, you know, turbojet. Unfortunately, gets-
1: no. I don't know those numbers. Um, I do know though that uh, the the jet engine, you know, in the seven fifty sevens, they they can power at at takeoff. Whenever the amount of energy that's produced at takeoff. Can power an absurd amount of homes, like something like thirty thousand homes or something like that. It's crazy. Uh, so getting could, from his, I yeah. could even be wrong with that. It could be even more, but it's it's a ridiculously high number of homes just in that one moment at takeoff. The amount of the oh amount not of even energy just speeding up. No, no, just just getting the plane off the ground. The amount of energy that's used right there could power a crazy wow. amount of houses. So it's uh, there's a lot of energy being produced in that one moment. Yeah. Um so yeah I, I don't know I don't know that there is really a a need for every single thing to go electric um especially if we can improve efficiency mm-hmm. um you know it it's just hard to see it's hard to see everything changing at least you know in the next 30 years you know yeah. 20 years uh it's uh, there's a long way to be uh to 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 go rather um to to reach that but I don't know. Anything's possible, man. I've, I've been surprised, you know, yeah. especially with how automotive, you know, the automotive yeah. industry has made leaps and bounds. So, yeah, that's something
0: that I really like being in the automotive industry is they're willing to just throw things at the wall. And yeah. some things that, like water-powered cars, I don't know if that's going to ever happen. But yeah like EVs that they just keep on pushing the R and D just keeps on natural gas
1: is a good shout too. I mean, uh, a lot of people are are pointing towards natural gas as a, as a fuel. Um, and I I do believe Dr. Roberts has mentioned natural gas as a fuel, um, even in the, uh, the aerospace industry. So I don't know, anything's possible. It's just, uh, there's a, there's a lot of different ideas out there right now. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's kind of, you know, Which one do you think is best? Which one do you think is worth your time and your effort to really dive into, you know? So it's just – it's very hard to be an expert in all of the different fuels and all of the different possibilities, you know, for aerospace, transportation, you know, your trucking industry, all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah, one thing that is an issue with uh, gas being used, like even like hydrogen or um, like fuel cells, like – and like you said, um, the uh, natural gas is – It has to be in a liquid form, so they have to drop the temperature down to extremely low. Um, I don't know exactly how. I think they use uh, either some compression or they they use a a, what do you call it? Uh, The cold whatever they. amount of effort that it takes for them to bring it down to that uh, temperature, it might not be worth it for a lot of applications, but there are specific applications where it could be useful. So. right?
1: And, and, you know, natural gas, uh, I believe they've classified it as semi-renewable, if I'm not mistaken. Really? Um, yeah, just because there's so many deposits. Um, okay. yeah. So, and, uh, I don't know, it, I'm not an expert by any means on any of this, but um, it's just there's there's a lot of different like I said potentials um, to be explored, so yeah,
0: yeah it's an exciting time to be a mechanical engineer. It is, I, I, yeah. I'm glad that I, I was originally CS, and everyone was like by the like dot com boom, yeah. And the, like the early like two twenty tens, like you got to be right. a CS major to do anything. in The next, yeah. but like the next, I, I think in the next fifty years for a mechanical engineer, there's gonna be so many technologies that we need. Like if, if, if we're gonna bring like electric cars into like a, a, at least half of the market share then like someone's going to have to design all the batteries and all the systems for them. And yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. We're working on.
1: Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, I personally did not choose the automotive industry, unfortunately, because a lot of the mechanical engineering positions that I've been introduced to are more like quality control type things, you mm-hmm, know, yeah. inside of like automotive plants, say like for Nissan or yeah. something like that. A lot of manufacturing, but, Right. A lot of manufacturing. Um, but, uh, if I was able to do more research type you know like dr chen's doing i think that would that would definitely be uh something that i'd be interested in um and actually long term i would love to get into the aerospace uh, Mm -hmm. industry so um but that's more of a long-term goal um for me but well you you never know honestly as an as an engineer as a mechanical engineer you know we're kind of um i like to say the swiss army knives of the engineering world you know we're we're Uh, we're able to pick up on a lot of things, you know, whereas, you know, maybe an electrical engineer might not pick up on, you know, your, uh, your mechanics and materials type, uh, you know, problems or statics or um, where, you know, they, they have taken those classes, but they haven't taken as many classes and and really, um, uh, they build on each other. Right. Yeah. 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 So whereas like for us, we take circuits, you know, we take MOM, we take, you know, and it's like, there's, there's a little bit of this, a little bit of that kind of going on. So but yeah it's uh it is it's very exciting and um i do think there is a lot of potential um growth in a lot of different areas especially you know in the next 20 years like you said 20 30 years so
0: yeah, I mean, I don't know. Some of the circuits, like the, the electrical stuff, I still like have no idea what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, like it's just yeah. all magic. Like, yeah, theoretically, yeah, if you do yeah, a KVL, yeah. like right. it, it'll, the numbers should work out. but Right. Like, but when I'm still doing like you know breadboards or like building like circuits like in real life, so some of those sometimes the TA just like, yeah, it's not gonna work. So right. you just gotta get a different one. Yeah. And then it should work. Like, right. okay, yeah. I don't know. Like, if if you have like if you have a beam, then it's gonna be a beam. Like, yeah. it's not gonna like magically not hold right. an amount of weight for some yeah. stupid reason. Yeah. You know? No, it's. So I'm I'm glad I'm not EE either. Like, it's I don't know, just so much like like specific stuff that is just weird. That um, I don't know. I I think that mechanical engineers, like 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 you said, that they have so much that they could dive into just because of our foundation is like on classical mechanics. Like yeah. we start with like F equals MA and then we build off and now we're doing like machine design yeah. and all that stuff that it's like we, we have the foundation. We can pretty much do like whatever.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what makes us so desirable to, to companies like, like for you like the nuclear industry, you know, I'm a mechanical engineer. I knew absolutely nothing about nuclear. I have a lot more to learn about nuclear. Yeah. It, you know and they they realize that you know so like i can i'll be working with the central engineering group you know and and working on you know lifting fixtures and and these kinds of things you know uh pipe pipe systems and whatnot and i can work on that and then you know if they need help you know with some kind of nuclear system they can teach me you know and uh it's it's not that big of an overhaul for them you know whereas like for more of a nuclear specific role you know UT's got a great program. I think I would like to see Tech, you know, open up a nuclear program mm. eventually, um, but you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see what they decide to do. Yeah.
0: Is that a lot more chemistry, like systems related, or can can you? Yeah, some of the um, I don't know the nuclear stuff. It just seems like you could have um, mechanical um, like concentration built around it, but it, there's a lot of stuff that like you would need uh, a, a good chemistry background to yeah. understand all the processes.
1: I'm not entirely sure what all is entailed in a nuclear engineering degree. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of think of it as in like how we take thermo, you know, and how okay, yeah. we're, we're looking at, you know, the the auto cycle, the diesel cycle, those kinds of things. And they're looking at nuclear reactions, you know, and, and the different possibilities there. So um, I think it's a very, very... Uh, uh, specified, you know, concentration. Yeah. Uh, and I, like I said, I, I don't know what all is involved with it, but, um, there's some smart people for sure. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I wish that the government or, well, it'd be hard for like a private person to <laughs> invest in nuclear, but I, I wish that if you've seen, have you seen the graph of if we spent this much invested in R and D that we would have a fusion reactor by now? Yeah. Like, well, like what? What can you? What do you think um, is the reason why we haven't invested in it, and why? Um, yeah, let's start with that.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with like just the social aspect of Public perception of the yeah. fear. Yeah, I think people are just scared of it, honestly, and um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the politicians don't want to push it because I think a lot of them are probably afraid of the pushback from you know the the people, and I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't know, we could we could bring the the mic arm closer okay cool. it just um it's yeah. slightly Are we good? Quiet. yeah you're good cool. okay. yeah um i I do I think it has a lot to do with public perception unfortunately um but I think uh small steps uh you know I don't know what small steps could be taken or or maybe just educating people you know if mm. if if you know engineers were more willing to go and educate people and really kind of explain like hey you know it really is safe it's just you know some of the, the major events have just been people not doing their job, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah.
0: It's, it's a shame that the amount of nuclear plants that we've had and the amount of energy to produce compared to the, you know, the few like terrible things that people think about that it's potentially could happen. It, it's c- kind of not there. The, the fear in my head, because you know, Fukushima is, is like a tsunami. Like the, the, Fallout from that was a, like a second order thing. It's not because like the the plant had anything to do with it. And um, Chernobyl, I'm not exactly sure. Like I, I watched like the the series on it, but I, I still don't understand the, the mechanics of why it failed. And some of it could like, do with like you know Soviets not being up to snuff in terms of like compared to the United States, like in terms of like technology or like um, keeping up standards. So it, it it kind of bothers me that. We, there's so much potential. Like, as it coming from like a science background and not like a political background, there's the potential of nuclear, like, it's just basically solving a ton of problems. Like, Texas, like two years ago, you know, had a that crazy um, snow apocalypse where the entire grid was shut down. Like, like if, if we if we had nuclear, there's there's so much like that goes on in the background of um, the electrical grids, like competing, like the, the 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 money that goes behind. Like, you don't want um to have too cheap of energy like that I, as an engineer, I hate, I hate things that like, it's just because of money.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. That's profitability is the, is the driving force behind everything in my mind. That's just, yeah, if you can't so make funny. money on it, they don't want to look at it, you know, yeah. like, and, uh, it's unfortunate because as engineers, especially as young engineers, I think we, um, a, a lot of our ideas I think come from, Maybe uh an uncorrupted idealistic, yeah, 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 like idealistic rather um like I think yeah. I think we're just like, okay, where is the most po- uh possible energy at where uh how can we make this thing more efficient, all this that and the other, and all these companies are looking at how can we make more money off of it, you know, yeah. and sometimes efficiency is not the answer for them, so yeah, um, yeah it it really is unfortunate, but <laughs>
0: Uh, well, I mean, we already talked about Joe Rogan, so all the people that hate uh, hate him and think that he's, like, some conspiracy theorist yeah. will uh, have already tuned off. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I've, like, think about, like, peak oil or, like, yeah. once, once like, oil companies, like, they've, they've made their money, like, it blows my mind that they could just, you know, arbitrarily make fuel, like, I, I drove to California. It was, like, almost $8. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. Just, like... I don't know exactly what happened. If the, everyone could just blame everything on uh, supply chain issues because of the pandemic, yeah. But yeah, wh- like wh- why is it only, why is it only three dollars now compared to? Uh, and so if, if that is the case, then I'm I'm, I'm sure that eventually like there's going to be a, a flip of the switch that all right, we we have to invest in nuclear
1: energy and yeah once um once it's not profitable to use a uh, gasoline yeah I, I i think like i said um i think the uh the next step for the nuclear industry would be uh i guess the most beneficial step rather uh, would be to educate people i mean yeah. just get out there educate people and uh make sure that you know people understand like it's uh yes there is risk involved mm-hmm. um but i think the benefits far outweigh the risk for nuclear yeah yeah i agree it's it just
0: when there's politics involved, I just yeah I, I can't you know
1: yeah yeah and I mean you know that's that's just purely from an engineering standpoint from you know from my understanding of of uh you know energy sources at this moment, so um and like i said i i hope to I hope to learn more and I hope to you know continue growing in that knowledge, but um you know I guess we'll see where you know the 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 job with ucore and and where that ends up taking me cuz yeah. i know uh it's it's very very typical for engineers to bounce around different companies out there you know once you're connected with one you you kind of have an in you yeah. know and you can get connected with other you know companies that need an engineer for this or that you know yeah. so yeah that's one thing that a young
0: or a undergrads need to learn is um once you the connections are more important than your GPA. It's more important. Yeah. Sometimes it's clubs are the same same thing. It, it gives you access to you know if you're in Formula SAE, you can talk to like GM and once you're um like having uh, like conference meetings or stuff yeah. like that. And like th- th- this is, it really is like who you know. Like even if you're like the best engineer and you don't know mm-hmm. anyone, then like there, there, there's always someone that. People like more than
1: you. <laughs> yeah, it, so. it, it blows my mind when I talk to other, you know, some other seniors that, you know, I'm like, hey, man, you know, what, what are you doing in the spring? You know, after you graduate, what's, what's gone? And they're like, oh, I'm moving home, you know, like I'm going to move back with my parents. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, like you got a job back home or like what, you know, what are you planning to do? Like, no, you know, I might try to find an internship somewhere, you know, oh, okay, well, you know, what other internships have you done? Oh, well, I haven't done any yet. You know, I've just been functional school. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you gotta, you, you kind of got to get on that horse and, and get going a little bit, you know, and, uh, I understand like for me, I was very blessed, you know, my, after my freshman year, I got an AutoCAD internship. Oh, so nice. I, I ended up, uh, doing a lot of drafting for a company out in Smyrna called Procon. Um, but, uh, you know, that kind of got me the in. Honestly, that's what you asked me about was my drafting mm. experience. And, um, so that was, it was very helpful and a lot of companies are not very, uh, I guess, freshman friendly because you haven't gone through a whole lot of engineering courses, no. but you know, just get out there, go to the career fairs, shake hands, you know, even people that you're studying with, like make, make as many connections as you can because somebody might get an in with a company, you know, years down the road and you might be sitting there, you know, twiddling your thumbs, trying to, you know, maybe not twiddling your thumbs, but trying to figure out what the next step is and, you know, you get in touch with them again. They're like, Hey, we're actually looking for an engineer. You know, like it's, it really is about the hands you shake, you know, like you're shaking hands, you know, you might not have a 4.0 GPA, but you know, you're willing to work and you're willing to learn. You're willing to say, okay, I don't know much about this, but I want to learn. I've got a good work ethic, you know? Um, so it's, it's just effort and getting out there and shaking hands and, and, uh, and making connections, you know? And that's, that's what I've learned about life just through college, man. Like, It's just, you know, like this, you know, like you and me, you know, we were sitting in class and just ended up striking conversation over something. Yeah, I think we got there early and uh, we are just doing nothing. Yeah, so, I mean, and honestly, just being willing to open up that door, I think, is, uh, you know, for a lot of engineers, you know, we're kind of typically known as being, like, socially awkward a little bit, you know. But That is a problem. Yeah.
0: For a lot of engineers, that's something that I've I've talked to pretty much everyone about is, like, we're very, like, uh, (laughs) logic-rational based, and it's, it's hard for us to... Well, not everyone's the same, obviously. There's more people that are more social, and that's something that I've worked on a lot. Is if you if you have no uh, charisma, no like people skills, then you're not gonna be able to get in place of where you want to, and like it doesn't like the. The same story I talked about is that the guy in the basement, the brilliant engineer that just like writes them with a million codes or is like the best, you know, whatever. Like he, he'll die in his basement alone, and no one will ever hear his ideas. Compared to someone that, like, he he might not be the best, but he's able to communicate ideas and be, you know, of pe- uh, people friendly. Like yeah. uh, that's a lot more
1: effective. As an engineer, communication skills I would say are up there with the most important of your yeah, abilities. It probably might be the most important. Yes. If, if not if, one of the most, yeah.
0: it is the yeah. most. Just because if you get like, I don't want to talk about dumbing it down for the business majors, but something, it's something like that. If you're giving a presentation, I was giving presentation for like my vice president and he, he just wanted like a very high level compared to like the microscopic, like, you know, stress calculations. He didn't yeah. give a shit about any of that. Yeah. It's all about like, just tell me what is important in five seconds or less and- yeah, that, that's the presentation. Like, no.
1: And like, honestly, though, being able to communicate with the business guys or with yeah. the finance guys, yeah. like, and being able to explain to them the importance of what you're working exactly, on. Yeah. Like, that's just as important as the project itself. Because if yeah. you can't communicate it with anybody, it doesn't mean anything. No. So, so I appreciate yeah, you talking about this. So we start talking about, you know, uh, electric planes and whatnot. And I honestly, I, I no clue. You know, like as far as like moving towards electric stuff. I oh, mean, you, know, you, you like,
0: probably know more than I do, and I just vs like like because uh, Dr. Roberts, he's yeah. teaching propulsion. Like, what um, what kind of stuff do you learn? No.
1: Yeah, so basically, it's it's the um, you're you're learning a lot about the states throughout the engine. Like, you've got your inlet, you've got your diffuser. Uh, you've got compressors, you've got your combustor, all that kind of stuff. So you're, you're kind of moving through like you would for ICC, you know, for your internal combustions. It's pretty much the same thing just for jet engines, you know. So yeah. you're looking at uh, turbojets, turbofans, all that kind of stuff. The different, you know, turboprops, which they're not really, you know, we, we don't really study a whole lot of turboprops because yeah. they're not really being they're not, used. And, yeah, there's just a. Uh, blades, right? right? There's,
0: there's, you always see like that little inlet on the bottom of it. That's, is that just for like cooling or does it actually do anything?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's an air intake. Um, so there's, there's, there's a lot of, um, so a, a lot of it has to do with your, your mass flow, uh, mm-hmm. throughout the engine and in particularly like through the core of the engine. Um, if you're talking about a turbofan, um, but yeah, it's uh, a, a lot of it has to do with the amount of mass that you're taking in through the inlet um, okay, and, yeah. and pushing through the engine. So, that it has a, it, that's it's really a, it's all about producing thrust because your your thrust is based on your your mass inflow combined with your fuel flow uh, okay. in the engine, yeah. and then you're multiplying that times your airspeed through the engine. So,
0: okay, which yeah.
1: there the the compressor has a lot to do with that because you're building up pressure. Inside mm-hmm. the engine to release through the back, which is creating thrust. Okay. So, and the uh, the air that flows through, say, like the top of the
0: the wing compared to the engine, so that is not going to be the same compared to like if you're we're taking arrow right. So you you know like the basic uh, principle of uh, lift.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Where like if you have like a, a wing shape like that, don't, mm-hmm. you want the air to move like at a similar speed, but it's going to create a lift because right. there's going to be a difference in the the speed. Uh, so. Is the mass flow, um, based on the compression, Is going to be, is it going to be higher because of the, uh, the fans that are compressing the air?
1: No, no. So the, um, the, the mass flow. So through, say we're talking about a turbofan, right? Yeah. So you have basically, um, you have a bypass ratio, which is basically the amount of air that's flowing through the core versus the amount of air that just passes through the fan and passes through the fan nozzle versus passing through the primary nozzle through the center. It's, a uh, the the fan goes around the the ter- the, the jet core, mm-hmm. um, so there's a lot more air that'll pass through the fan than will pass through the core. Which makes sense if you're if you're uh, if we were able to look at a diagram right now, it'd be a lot easier to explain. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's uh, there's there's a there's a lot more mass that flows around the core than passes through the core. Which the core is constantly building pressure inside of the combustor mm-hmm. for that ignition, and then the pressure released through the backside of the engine. So,
0: okay. Yeah. yeah. So for a, a uh, engine to be electric, there's going to be no ignition, right? So right. it's, it's going to be extremely difficult. For, like, even if it builds pressure, it wouldn't really have the, uh, ignition that will create the thrust. Yeah. Which
1: I, I'd imagine it'd be a fraction of what actual turbojet joke get. There's something you can look up. Uh, I believe they call it an airbus, uh, is what they're calling it right now, but I believe that has a concept for an electric uh, jet engine mm-hmm. on it. Um, as of right now, it is just a concept, from what I'm aware. Um, but it's an interesting, interesting thing to kind of look into um, because that I think that's kind of where they're looking at moving towards in the in the aerospace industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, it's hard for me to imagine. Being able to produce thrust that the 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 required thrust in order to uh, you know really change the aerospace industry over to electric. Yeah, what you just talked about does that
0: have an, an ignition or is it no is, no? So it, what what makes a jet? I mean, the jet has compared to a prop plane. Basically, you could you could have an electric prop plane, but that won't be able to uh, lift like a seven forty seven.
1: Right. Yeah. I I I have no idea. And honestly. For electric stuff, I think probably a prop would be the first thing to start with, you know, yeah. because uh, electrically you can you can produce electricity to turn a yeah. prop, obviously. Yeah, that wouldn't be hard. It'd be no. the same. It's the same concept as turning a drive shaft. Yeah. You know, um, but as far as a, a electric jet engine, I have no earthly clue on how they would manage. I don't it.
0: think it, w- it would be. A, if there's no fuel being combusted, I don't think it would be a jet engine. Right. So... Yeah, They would have to, there'd be something weird going on for them to, yeah, there would, there'd be no fuel <laughs> to yeah, ignite. Right. Well, what, yeah. what are you doing? It you, would it, purely it,
1: be a, a pressure, uh, a, a constant buildup of pressure inside being released. Um, but I don't know how that would be produced with an electric system. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's something for someone higher level. <laughs> that's yeah. I was talking yeah. About. That would be, but, that's uh, for
1: Dr. Roberts. I don't know. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's kind of, I think he's looking into it. Um, uh, he's, he does a lot of work, um, From from what I've gathered in class, with you know the military, he works a lot with. Okay. um, You know, with uh, Boeing, he works a lot with Boeing. So that's he's he's kind of on the forefront of that. So.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I I just watched a documentary about the uh, F twenty two. Uh, Raptor. And mm-hmm. I, I, I remember seeing that as like the premier, uh, fighter jet. And I, I didn't realize it was built in the eighties Yeah, where they had like these yeah. some like super old school computers, like, like, like not even like cat, like right. barely, like it's unrecognizable. As it's how, crazy. And somehow that thing, I mean, it's just, honestly, I don't know how much better the F 35 is, but it's, it's incredible that they were able to build that thing in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> the 80s. Yeah.
1: It's crazy. And, uh, they, uh, it, yeah, it's nuts. The fact that they were able to use that technology to build such an advanced, you know, system that is yeah. still used today, like yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, honestly, I I think the the money sink of the F thirty five. I mean, I think they just won a contract, so they wanted to throw some money at it. But yeah. the F twenty two, I I think, is just unbelievable. The, some of the material technology, I, I think a lot of things are, is limited by materials science, which is why I'm interested in it. And um, like when you talk about Boeing, like some of them, do you know about the new wings that they produce? They're made out of carbon fiber, so there's no rivets at all. It's one continuous piece, so they're able to. We'll talk about this in aerodynamics next semester, but you're basically able to increase the uh, angle of attack and the uh, the swept the amount of like um, you have like straight wings where they're um, I I believe they're more stable, but you have to have more material for it to create lift compared to if you have an extremely uh, swept wing. That they're less stable, but they also have a lot more uh, stress, and that, that's what Boeing is able to do. They've been able to make it lighter so that it's more fuel efficient, hmm. but it's completely made out of carbon fiber, which is yeah. like trip I think triple the like uh, the amount of stress. I get Hold. Yeah, it's a really to, strong material for yeah. its weight yeah compared to steel which they've been using and and there's no rivets at all so it's completely um, one piece it's it's actually really cool how um, material science is like what is pushing some of the uh, the limits like uh, one of my TAs for one of my classes is uh, working with 3D printing carbon fiber which is really cool because like with some of the 3D printing I've dealt with is just, like, prototyping, but yeah. eventually they'll be able to prototype with the amount of stress because, like, PLA is, like, weak compared to steel. But if yeah. you could 3D print your prototypes completely, like, as the material, then you can just completely bypass the theoretical calculations. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, as long as you have a, a, a good way of, of testing the scale, you know, yeah. and, and making sure that when you scale it up, you know, obviously things are going to be identical, you know, but, yeah. uh, you should look into, uh, I got to tour, uh, a plant up in, uh, Wisconsin for, uh, Cirrus, Cirrus planes. Mm-hmm. They're a private jet company, yeah, um, right. uh, or a private plane company, I should say, but they make jets with their own parachutes, but, um, they, uh, they actually produce all of their jets there and then test them in Knoxville. They bring them down oh, wow. in Knoxville and they have a testing center there, but, Um, yeah I got to go through and I believe they use carbon fiber for their wings as well they they have a I believe their biggest jet is a seven passenger Uh, so but they also the controls like if you like the controls from DMC you would love some of the controls that they have in in these serious planes like the autopilot mechanics. And, uh, and, yeah. uh, it, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Like just getting to go through that plant. My mind was blown, but when you were talking about the, uh, the carbon fiber wings, yeah. that's where my mind went. Cause they, they build all their stuff there. I believe it's carbon fiber. So, yeah, we, we talked a little bit about, um, our
0: interest in aerospace and I, I know you, I don't want to blow up your spot a little bit, but you talked about like, um, being not being able to get a, your pilot's license. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's unfortunate. Like, is there any loophole you get around that with?
1: I don't think so. Like, so unless they do something, uh, I I think it's because a lot of the radars are like the green, you know, green and red, very, uh, uh, those, those colors are used a lot in, in the, uh, in the navigation system. Okay. Um, but yeah. So for those of you that don't know, I am red, green colorblind. So that's. Uh. Uh, incredibly uh unfortunate for me but yeah no i i would like to if if someday they you know change something enough to where colorblind people can you know get their pilot's license i would i would love to learn what um
0: so, there's like different kinds right what um what is like the technical
1: word for uh red green colorblind uh do
0: you know it's like there's like Deuter. Yeah, or yeah, yeah.
1: I don't know what that what what the specified uh, term is, but I, whatever it is, I am very much so that. Like, I'm, so what, what does it look like? Basically? So okay, it's hard. It's hard to describe somebody yeah, that's yeah, not because, like, so the best way I could describe it is <laughs> if somebody told you a banana was blue your whole life you would learn that that color is blue, yeah, right? So like, even though I don't see the same brown or red or green that you do, because those are the three colors that are, that are muddied together, um, even though I don't see the, the red, the green, the brown that you do, my eyes still recognize that as brown or as green or as red because that's what I've known my whole life. But when you do a color wheel, and you put all those colors together, I can't tell the difference in a lot of the darker shades or the the mid-shades, yeah. you know? Neon colors, I do great with neon colors. Like, so you can tell
0: if it's green, if it's a neon color compared yeah,
1: to— Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the, really? the color of the dirt out here versus the color of the grass, like, mm. I can tell what's dirt and what's grass— because of the the color difference, because the grass has a lot lighter shade to it. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. But like say, um, you know, the, uh, the difference in, you know, like a, a, a Christmas green light, you know, Christmas tree, green light on the tree or a red light. Yeah. I can tell what those colors are only because of the neon red and the neon green at the tip.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's yeah.
1: a, the, the more light has yeah. been, you know, shown on it so um but yeah no the the color wheels if i was to do like a color wheel exam you know where they put like a letter or a number or something like i've done those yeah i am gone like i have no idea uh it's it's crazy because my my eyes aren't able to see um enough difference in the colors to make a pattern out and to Mm -hmm. recognize okay that's a three or that's a you know a or whatever so yeah it's it runs through i think it's passed by the mother but only like 0. 0.02 or 0.03% of women are affected by colorblindness, but like all of my cousins on my mom's side are colorblind. So wow. I definitely, definitely got it from my mom. Oh, she used to thank. Well, yeah. yeah, that has that affected you in any other
0: aspects like no. driving? Is that
1: no? Um, it really, the only thing was, you know, the interest in getting my pilot's license. Uh, that's, that's really about it. Um, that's, as far as occupational, that's really the only thing I think that's been dependent on you know the colorblind aspect. So yeah, that's that's unfortunate because yeah, definitely get like getting my pilot's licenses
0: on the checklist. Yeah, and I, I don't know if I have any <laughs> anything uh, yeah. I need to worry about. I'm not. I don't think I'm colorblind, but yeah, yeah I've done all, all the tests for the army and stuff. Yeah, man. It's a. It's I don't know. That's that's just really unfortunate. Like the one. And it's not even like something that you can have control over yeah so it's unlucky but yeah well uh, the
1: other the other thing that i was looking at was uh you know the military but unfortunately like medically it's not because of my colorblindness i actually have metal in my body but um i'm medically not able to join the military that was actually my my choice out of high school was going to be to join the military yeah. um, but then once i figured out i wasn't going to be able to i was like all right engineering but um yeah that's that's it's definitely on the list uh if you know the the um i guess the ability or the opportunity arises for me to you know get my pilot's license someday regardless of my color blindness so
0: yeah what um so we you talked about being into outdoor stuff and i want to talk a little bit more of, uh what can you hunt like white tail in the uh the uh, uh
1: what do you, what do you call the entire Uh, complex. The Oak Ridge Reservation? Yeah. Yeah.
0: What what, what other game can you hunt there?
1: Yeah, so I know for a fact whitetail. Um, I don't... uh, Let's see here. I don't think they have uh, bear hunts there. Uh, I know they have a lot of turkey there. I would not be surprised if they have turkey hunts there. Okay. Um, But the major one is whitetail out there. But they have some big deer out there. So yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, there's nobody out there, you know, there's no hunting pressure hardly at all. You know, they get, they get hunted, you know, a couple weeks out of the year and that's it. So, so you talked about the tags were, for bow and rifle. So for Turkey, would you, would you get a shotgun tag there? You can archery hunt Turkey as well. Um, so it would be archery slash shotgun. So have you done archery before? Yeah, I've shot archery my whole life Oh actually. really? Yeah. Okay. So you're not a rifle guy? Well, so I will I will hunt with a rifle sometimes, um, but usually that's a later in the year if I hadn't really had much luck or, you know, if I'm taking my little brother or sister or something like yeah. that, you know, just because getting that close to an animal, you know, yeah. to to shoot a deer with a bow is very difficult just yeah you know, just because it's, it's just very difficult. They're very leery, very uh, hyper aware. Oh yeah. So, and like
0: the kids, like they'll yeah, just, like, uh, just discipline. Yeah. Let yeah. me,
1: let me step on the stick and you know, like, yeah. But, how, how close have you ever gotten to animal? Oh dude, I've had them right under me. Like literally <laughs> I've had, I've had deer from me to you. Like I've been sitting on oh. the ground just like, you know, um Now it's rare. It doesn't happen a whole lot, but, um, you know, sometimes it, it's usually when you're out, you know, turkey hunting or something like that, you know, you'll have a deer that just walks like right by you and it's like, Hey, why can't you do that during deer season? You know, like, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. yeah. But, oh man, I'm definitely interested in, uh,
0: getting into archery but like more a traditional archery. Cause yeah. I, I, I don't know. I kind of, I'm, I like the, uh, you know, uh, I'm into like the ancient history of uh, like horse archers and all that, yeah. and all that like all the contraptions on the modern bow. It kind of yeah. like I feel like it kind of takes away from it. But yeah. on the other hand, I like shooting rifles too, and that's kind of cheating too. Yeah, well,
1: I mean, a lot of it gets into ethics um, because the traditional systems are so hard; um, mm-hmm, they're yeah. so difficult to get good at shooting. You know, further than 20 yards, 30 yards. You know, yeah. it, it takes a, a real master of the craft to shoot you know, longer distances with, with no sight, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you have to get out there and shoot 40, 50, 60, you know, times a day to be really proficient and know that arrow is going to fly exactly the same, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, so I, I actually shot, um, competitively for a long time. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So all through middle school, um, and in parts of high school, I, I shot a different system, you know, a different bow, but, um, yeah, I, I did a lot of the, um, NASP uh, tournaments, uh, which are basically your elementary and your middle school, which they don't have a sight. It's just a bow. Oh, wow. it's, a, it's a Genesis bow, um, and you go out there and you you draw and you just look down the arrow. And based on how you know that arrow flies yeah. every time when you release, you have a a point on that target that you pick, and you've got to hit that same point on the target when you release. When you release, you know, you you just it's a muscle memory type thing. Yeah. So uh is the Genesis bow a compound bow? It or, is. So it has the uh, levers in it. Yeah, yeah, it I mean. does. Um, but it's a very simplistic compound. It's not like your uh it's not like your hunting bow. It's yeah. it's not um you know, I think the max draw weight on a Genesis is twenty five pounds. Or okay. some twenty or twenty five yeah. pounds. So it's really meant for, you know younger, kids. younger kids. So I would have shot, uh, I would have tried to shoot in college, uh, if there was any kind of scholarship, you know, locally, but I, I wanted to stay in Tennessee and I didn't want to have to go up to you know Pennsylvania or something like that to shoot archery, which I ended up playing soccer, um, in college for my first two, two and a half years oh, at wow. union. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I kind of chose a different route just because, you know, I was able to get more scholarship playing soccer than I would have with archery and I wouldn't yeah. have had to move. So um, but yeah, no, archery is a huge passion of mine. Oh, that's I, awesome. Yeah. I do my own fletching, like all my oh, really? arrow tuning. Yeah. So, like, that's. Uh, oh no.
0: That's another thing, another uh, hobby that's going to take all my money. Yeah. Well, it's honestly,
1: <laughs> so once you, once you buy a bow and once you buy the arrows, if you take care of your stuff, yeah. you don't have to buy new stuff. Right. Like that's, um, especially if you're just target shooting, you know, you yeah. might buy arrows. I think I've had the arrows that I've got right now for four or five years. So, nice. and you yeah. just, you know, if you shoot and you hit a fletch, you know, and you tear that fletch off, you just clean the arrow. You know, and you refletch it and you're good to go. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's not horribly expensive, especially compared to some of these guys that, you know, skate shoot or duck hunt or oh, stuff yeah. like that. Like they're constantly <laughs> buying ammo, constantly, yeah. you know, buying decoys and camouflage and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but if you're just looking to get into it recreationally, it would not be that expensive. All right. Yeah. yeah that's
0: definitely something I, I need to get into. But, yeah. um, yeah. Man, I just, I just love the idea of
1: being able to hunt your own game, especially yeah. without, without a gun. With yeah. Well, and especially with how expensive groceries are right now. Like, <laughs> I can, I can tell you, man. Like I've saved a lot of money eating venison instead of going and buying ground up pork. Oh, and yeah. up, you know. Uh, ground up. The amount of meat that you could keep like like you could eat for a year yeah more. yeah well so I, I process my own deer and usually yeah. uh, I'll take three or four deer for myself every year and that way I can eat on it and you know I don't have to buy a whole lot of meat at the grocery store unless I've got company coming over or something like that but usually my sister wants one usually my mom wants one yeah. you know that kind of thing so once once uh, once I get everybody else taken care of I usually take a few for myself so Um, but that, and Tennessee also has a really cool program called Hunters for the Hungry. Um, so if you, um, if you end up, you know, harvesting a deer, you can take it to any of the local processors and donate it and they'll actually grind it up and uh, get all the meat prepared to take it to feed homeless people. So it's, it's a really cool initiative that they started a few years ago oh that's that's awesome man. yeah
0: like all you have to do is uh, like at the field you just gotta strip them and then um, they'll take care of the rest
1: yeah yeah so you could you could just take it to any of the processors after you know after you get it you know in your cart and get it loaded up you yeah. know you can take it there and then they'll just take care of the rest of it so yeah
0: yeah I started watching all the Renella videos of, yeah uh, him doing all the crazy hunts like, the, 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 you don't you start with like you know white tail in your backyard yeah. or in your local area, but and then he starts doing like you know helicopter or going to like New Zealand hunting these goats that you yeah. can like barely see. Like yeah. those are some like, so like dream hunts that eventually yeah. I'll like start doing for but, sure.
1: That's that's uh, I'm looking to because you know we're both. Well, at least me. I'm a broke college kid, so, like, <laughs> I I don't have the money to spend to go out, you know, west on these big, you know, hunts or anything like that, but I'm also a very, like, DIY type dude, so, yeah. like, I enjoy public land, you know, all yeah, that kind of stuff, sure. so a lot of guys will pay guides to go and, you know, like... Uh, mm-hmm out on these ranches and stuff like that. And I'm much more of like, Hey, I want to do it myself. You know, like I want to go out West. I want to go on public land. And you know, like my dream is an elk hunt. Like I want to go on a big elk hunt, Mm -hmm. you know, with some of my buddies here that hunt as well, you know, nice. And what state? So right now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to do Montana. Um, Mm -hmm. but Um, Montana would be, uh, in a few years just with how they do their, um, their tag system. So you have to, you have to have a tag for the animal, from their uh, wildlife resource agency you know, yeah. to purchase a tag, in order to go hunt. But um, the way that they have their set up, it takes a few years to get the tag. Um, so that's I'm currently waiting on that process to to follow through. So, um, but yeah, that's that's a big dream of mine to go out there and do a big elk hunt. How so. much bigger is an elk compared to a whitetail? Oh, dude, they're huge. They're massive. So Are like, oh. uh, so a full grown. You know, good, good size tailed deer is probably 160 to 180 pounds in Tennessee. Yeah. an elk, huge. They're like, I want to say 1,500 pounds, 1,200 pounds. Yeah, they're uh, huge. They're massive. So a big bull elk. Yeah. Um. So yeah, when, when guys go elk hunting, they usually take three or four other guys with them yeah. just to help them pack everything out. Yeah. So it's a, it's a team effort. Yeah. Would you do archery or rifle? Archery. Absolutely. If I could do archery and I could tag an elk, one hundred percent I would be I would be the happiest man on the earth. So Yeah.
0: Yeah, for those um so those hunts that you don't have a guide with, you definitely need to – like they know the land, they know the animals that walk through it. Yeah. You definitely have to do a lot of research to for figure sure. out, you know, yeah good spots. Well and,
1: and so the cool thing, like engineering is very um very heavily involved in these archery systems. So like I shoot a hoyt. Hoyt does a lot of, uh, Hoyt and Matthews and, and PSE and all these other bow companies, they have dumped a ton of time and energy into the engineering of these bows to make them quieter, to make them faster, um, to make them more ethical, honestly, like, um, because if you're going to go and you're going to harvest an animal, obviously you want to do your due diligence in practicing and making sure that what you're taking is, is, is going to actually, you know, not just hurt the animal, but yeah. you know, you, you want to be ethical about it. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's a big, that's a big point in the, in the archery realm is, is to, uh, you know, and that, that honestly, like for engineering, like talk about a dream job, man. Like if I could, <laughs> if I could engineer bows for Matthews or Hoyt or something like that someday, like oh, that'd be sick. that, that, that is the dream job, you know, like we can talk about wanting to do automotive stuff or, or want or- yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you can do like a hobby as a job for the rest of your life, like 100 no, you're barely
0: even working, you, you're doing it anyway. I mean, you put yeah. you your own areas yeah. and. Working like your yeah. own bow. Yeah. Some no. of the engineering that goes in I have no idea what's happening with all like all the, the levers, because like, I don't yeah. uh, shoot with a bow and yeah. It's just it's barely even like a bow at that point. It's more of just like you just pull the trigger. And well it has a lot I mean obviously there's yeah. a lot that goes behind yeah. it, but yeah.
1: like 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 a rifle, there's a lot more than just pulling a trigger. But I think once you get into archery, I think you'll start to realize how much more involved archery is than say rifle yeah. shooting because With with rifles, you can be five hundred yards, six hundred yards away from something, and you know you know your bullet is going to be right. And that's a tough shot, like a five or six hundred yard shot with with a rifle is a difficult shot. A thirty yard shot, a forty yard shot with a bow, that's a difficult shot. You know, like if you know for less than ten percent of the uh, (laughs) right, like it just it's uh, you've got to be closer. It's a lot more involved, I think, and and that's that's honestly why I do it is like i i just enjoy being out in nature anyway and i appreciate yeah. you know like creation and just uh, going out and being able to spend time in the wilderness where you know it's just you and you're able to think you're able to just oh, sit yeah. there and uh, you know half the time i just send videos to my mom you know like <laughs> i just send her a video of you know a, a deer walking or, or something like that but um Yeah, no, I actually, so I did the, uh, the kinetics on my bow and my setup and how fast I was, I was, uh, shooting. So, uh, the combined weight of my arrow with the speed that I'm able to shoot it is equivalent to getting hit with a 90 mile an hour fastball. Oh, wow. Yeah. And in a very small area too. In a very, very, like the broadhead is a very small area. So if you took a fastball and put a broadhead on the end of it, that's how (laughs) hard you're getting hit. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. Yeah. Like and it's cool that we can sit there and you know, we can take, you know, ideas from, you know, kinematics and we can and we can apply it to different systems in the world, which I think is really cool, you know, like yeah. uh, you know, even if it's not anything that's necessarily like important, you know, like to me as an archer, I'm like, "Dang, you know, like that's that's doing pretty good," you know. Oh, yeah. so. I
0: mean, it's good to know. Like I I know, I like looking up different ammo and seeing how much energy like, yeah. like the joules of a 9mm compared to a 556 five, right. compared to like a yeah. a
1: 50 <laughs> But, yeah. Or mean, yeah. Or a 308 or 65 Creedmore, you know, like yeah. that's, it's a ton of energy that's in that little bitty, you know, cartridge. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's
0: definitely awesome that, um, you know, you're into archery cause I, I, I haven't talked to anyone. Like I just, uh, talked to a few people from like New Hampshire and we, we only, we talk about skiing like basically the entire yeah. time. So it, I, I'm, I love people that have like interests that yeah. are like beyond that like, I just work and it just, um, it's, it's, cool that you have, uh, a lot of. Passion, besides just you know boring engineering stuff yeah. that we talked about in the present, which I, I like talking about it, but yeah. on the other hand, like it's um it's definitely something that I wouldn't um consider like I, I need to work to live. Basically, there's yeah. there's other stuff that I yeah like, i would be into.
1: I mean, look at the end of the day, we're out here. Uh, you know, as the way I view it is, you know, you work to have fun, right? Like you've got to make money to pay for your bills and all that kind of stuff. But if you're not living life, if all you're doing is working and you don't have any hobbies, you don't get to go hang out with friends or anything like that, or or build an outside relationship, you know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to get to my death deathbed and be like, man, I wish I would have studied more for, you know, whatever exam. Now that's not saying to be negligent in my engineering duty, you know, like, but you know, you don't, you don't have to work 100 hours a week. You know, you don't have to work 80 hours a week. You can go and you can work a 40-hour week, make a good wage, make a good living, and have hobbies like archery or fishing or, you know, uh, if you like to read or, you know, anything like that. Like, yeah. you know, whatever – insert whatever hobby, you know, somebody might have. I think that's just as important as any of your academic studies or, or your career choice. Yeah. You know, like we're, we're all on the same earth, you know, yeah. like – we have different occupations. We, you know, for you and me, we're both engineers or aspiring engineers. You know, yeah. we will be engineers here in the, in the next, you know, Year. six months or so, yeah. you know? So, um, but you know, you kind of be more than just a two dimensional character here. Uh, you know? Yeah, that's true.
0: I mean, you talked about like, um, this, the students that like didn't have an internship when they graduate. And yeah.
1: Yeah. There's
0: definitely like, that's some part of me, which I, I wish I could just, you know, sleep, sleep all day and be lazy. Yeah. I mean, there's only so much for that how far yeah, you can get with life Some like Some of that. that is
1: senioritis, you know? Oh, like, for yeah. sure,
0: dude. It's one week until finals, and that Thanksgiving, I didn't, I, I, I my plan was not to work at all. Right. I, I had to do, do the project proposal and like edit and get yeah. that done. And for once, senior design. For senior design. Yeah. And then once that was done, I, I just, there's a certain point where you work so hard that you have to learn to relax again.
1: Yeah, and no, like, for sure, dude. I think for me, honestly, I think it was a semester that I was taking Thermo 1 oh. uh, with ITEM. I mean, that class was just so, it was just so incredibly difficult just to keep up with everything and then all the labs that I had on top of it. I think I was taking, uh, oh gosh, what class was that? Measurements. I was taking measurements at the same time Mm -hmm. and dude, I... I thought I was gonna die. Like, uh, it's one of those where you're running yeah. on like four hours of sleep, you know. Yeah. And then you get done with that semester, and you're like, you're like shaking, you know, because <laughs> you're, you're like, like, you're just so you're nervous. Your adrenaline all the time. Just yeah. going. You're, yeah. yeah, you're just on edge the entire time, right? Because
0: you you have to perform at that high level, and then oh, I just need to squeeze out three hours of sleep. Yeah. And then another do it all yeah, again. Yeah. Just week after week. Yeah. Uh, those those semesters, those those moments in time, you just like do I really want to do this is it is it worth it and then i'm i'm still hoping it's worth it i've had yeah. a lot of good opportunities recently so yeah. I, I've, I i'm glad i'm doing this but man there's just there's just cert, certain decisions that you could i i you could have just dropped out at that time because it's just yeah it's ridiculous. Like I, I had I, second I, thoughts, I feel man. bad for this these kids that had are still taking that.
1: Right. I know. It's like I'll talk to somebody that's in Thermo 1 or Thermo 2 right now or you know they they might be taking, you know, D, even DMC is is a relatively tough class, you know, and yeah. I'll be talking to them and I'm like Yeah. You're kind of at the peak right now, you know, like that's, that's where, you know, after you just got to push through that last little bit, you know, and, and senior year has honestly been fantastic. Like I have so thoroughly enjoyed my time this, this semester, just because like, it seems like a lot of professors have uh, really been able to relate to, you know, the seniors and like, we put so much work into this point, you know, like they're willing to work with you and, you know, kind of take a few steps back and it's not about just overloading you and trying to you to your breaking point it's it's more so like you've done the hard work right Mm. let's apply this knowledge to this system or that system or you know whatever you know it might be um but yeah i know it's it's tough man i thought about it a few times i was like man am i smart enough to be an engineer you know like is this really what i want to do and i was like you know you might as well just you know buckle up you've you put in the work to this point you know so
0: Yeah, I don't know. You, you have a 4.0, so that, that, you've done pretty well.
1: I, <laughs> well I, I mean, obviously, there's
0: a certain uh, a level of effort to get yeah. that point. And, uh, like, I, I run the calculation in my head, what is the minimum effort to get to each breaking point of the grade? And I'm don't. I'm not i not going to get a 4.0, but
1: I'll, I'm happy with what I got. Dude, look, and like I said earlier, your GPA does not matter. And I have had one fantastic teammates and group members and study friends and whatnot, but I've also just had a very, like, I've been very blessed with the professors that I've got, like, they've been very helpful, and, and they go above and beyond to make sure that I'm able to understand the material before exam day and whatnot, and exams are a whole nother thing, I hate exams, but um, it's, it's unfortunate um, that that's really the scale, and that's really the only scale that we have right now, but, um, you know, I'm very fortunate to be in the spot that I am right now, and, and Yes, it has taken hard work, but it, it's it's a it's a combination of things to get you there, yeah. really. So, um, and like we said earlier, like it's the hands you shake, man. Like it, yeah. even even just like study wise, you know, like you get in with a good group of people that are able to, you know, like you're able to feed off of one another, really. Like, and that's the whole thing about learning how to study is like some people understand things in a very different way than you do, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And if you don't understand something, maybe they can explain it from their perspective, and maybe you're able to understand them. More so than you are the professor because the professor learned it some other way, right? So it's all about trying to figure out, okay, can this person explain it to me in a way that I understand and can and can really grasp, you know? And and then can I explain something else to somebody that might not, you know, understand a different subject? So, but uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's been a it's been a grind, man. I've I've enjoyed it and I've hated it at the same time. Yeah, that's what every engineering student has to go through. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you think that they push engineering
0: students like did the breaking point? Like, oh,
1: absolutely, one hundred percent. I think the fail rate of of physics one, it's either physics one or physics two, is north of eighty percent nationally. Really? Yeah, twenty percent get through. Yeah, some some it's some crazy statistic like that. That nationally, the amount of people that either drop or fail out of physics one or physics two in huh. the engineering realm, you know, calc based. Yeah. I should yeah, say, yeah,
0: based, physics, yeah. Uh, I think I'd, I did well in physics, but that's just because I like the, the classical mechanics kind of thing. Like right. calculus one is just driving me because it was just like such a jump. I don't know how
1: well you did in high school, but I, I just skated through and didn't study at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, then, so yeah. I went to central magnet in Murfreesboro. Uh-huh. Um, it's a very, uh, is that one of the
0: high that's top schools? Yeah. There? Yeah. They I, were, talked, I think I talked to one of the uh, grad students for Dr.
1: Chen. He went there too. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you know uh, Brandon
0: Patel? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, my no God. No way. His, uh, I think his little brother uh, graduated with me, actually. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, there's some extremely, extremely smart people that come out of that school. Um, I think they were ranked fifth the year that I graduated, fifth in the nation. Wow. Uh, for... Uh, I think I think it was based on scholarship awarded uh, to the whole class and uh, ACT score. So, um, but in, not that ACT score is a great you know scale. But you know it's what, it's we, what got. we got. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it was a very rigorous. I mean, you had service hours that you had to complete every year. Um, public public service, yep. um, and uh, you you know they have all kinds of like ACT prep type stuff. Um, it's it's a uh, it's a really kind of an a uh, a stem uh focused school really um they they have a lot of people that end up going to like mtsu uh, end up going to a lot of like nursing school type stuff like um it's it's, just, it's a very very difficult school to go to um i got a couple of buddies that went to uh, mississippi state um and they were doing a lot of like biochemical engineering type things wow. so yeah. um i i was not in the club of smart kids there for <laughs> sure um but i will say it did teach me how to study like yeah. i'm very grateful for uh, learning how to study before I got to college because uh, yeah. I had to put in the effort in high school, yeah. in order to you know. And then when I got to college, I was like, oh hey, this ain't too bad. And my yeah. friends, you know, across the, the room learning were crying, yeah, yeah for normal yeah, school, yeah, yeah. 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 they're sitting there crying because they don't know how you know how they're going to get everything done. And I'm like, oh, I'm used to the stress, you know. Oh, okay, so <laughs> yeah. Did you have to um like apply to get into that school or is that... yeah yeah. So you, I actually was on the waiting list to get in. Um, okay. I ended up applying after my eighth grade year. My older sister ended up getting in. Um, I think they had like two spots and my older sister got one of them. Um, And that's, I think there's, there's a ton of people that apply every year to try and get into the, to the school. But um, we, we don't have a zone like the rest of, you know, the counties do where, you know, you've got uh, in Murfreesboro, it's like Oakland, Riverdale, Blackman, all these other big, you know, big, big schools and you have a zone. Well, the magnet school, it's if you test in, you're in so like you could yeah. live up in nashville and yeah. you can go you know to central so it's uh it yeah it, it's tough to get in and it's based on i believe when i tested in it, it's not like an actual test that you sit down and take it's like based on your previous test scores uh, for okay. like uh, i don't know if you remember like uh, yeah. your state uh your state your state end of year testing you know like for us it was tcap like tennessee yeah. comprehensive you know okay yeah. so um but yeah no i I was, I was lucky. They, I think they took, I think they took 27 or 28 students in after, you know, for the freshman class. And that was the most total. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So there's 160, uh, there's 160 slots for each class. Um, so I graduated with 160 people in my class yeah but after people leave you know from middle school and whatnot like they go to different schools they decide they want to go do something else so they only had 27 or 28 open slots oh, that ended up opening up for students to get in and the wait list is like hundreds of people long so that's ridiculous man. yeah so I was I was very lucky and I got I got in I did well um, like I said I was I was by no means top of my class but I worked hard. And, uh, you know, soccer is really what I was honestly focused on when I went to central because the school that I was zoned for didn't have a soccer team. So Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to play soccer in college. So I ended up going, uh, to central because they had a good soccer team. So, um, that's a little bit of luck, a huge blessing, you know, here, there, you know, like, and, uh, here I am, but. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm very grateful for Central. It was not a fun time by any <laughs> means. Uh, it was very difficult, yeah. um, and a lot of that has to do with life circumstances at the time too. Okay. Like you just never know what people are going through at that stage in their life. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm very grateful for Central. It, it was a it was a good experience, and and uh, I fully expect to see one of my old classmates someday come out, you know, on the news for some kind of cure for cancer or something like that, you know, because. These kids are wicked smart, man. I mean, like. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, it's crazy. I think the average of uh, the average ACT score of my graduating class was like a 32.3 or something like that. Yeah. It was man. dumb. I mean, something yeah. stupid. Yeah. Um, I had probably three or four friends that had a perfect 36 and they only took the ACT once. And I was like. Yeah. I hate you. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, pretty much. I don't know. There's a different kind of brain that. Yes. You know, for, yes, for, yes. Uh, even like
0: testing in for a school like that and like. In middle school, like middle school, I don't feel like should be competitive, but there's people that are like prepping like since elementary school, which I mean, I I know their parents push them and it's it's kind of weird for, uh, but on the other hand, like you, if, if you're going to, if you're into it and you're not being coerced too hard by your parents, I feel like it's a great opportunity. It
1: is. It's a great opportunity at the same time. It's, it's a very, uh, it's a very vulnerable time, uh, as, as a student in high school and in middle yep. school, because it's very easy to find your identity and your test scores and your performance.
0: And so yeah. that's the kind uh, of thing that
1: you're competing with. And, yeah. and uh, not only are you competing against your classmates, but are you able to handle the pressure? Are you able to find uh, your, your worth in more than just your test scores as well. Yeah. So it, 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 it did a lot, uh, you know, for, for me just as a person and as a man, like growing and realizing like, Hey, you know, like you can have a bad day, you know, like you, yeah. you don't have to be perfect all the time. You don't have to have the best test score. Um, you know, if you put your head down and grind and you know, you're doing your best, that's all that anybody could ask of you. So, yeah. um, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's one thing that I've heard, um, a school that I know someone
0: went to in like Palo Alto had a very high suicide rate Mm -hmm. for for like I think it was a high school just because some of the smartest kids in in the country and they're just pushing each other I don't know if the school you went to have public like grades Is, Mm -hmm. is that a thing? Uh, public grades, like like the, the entire like you know what everyone else got like oh, in terms of like percentage. No, that's, no, no, no. I no. think that's more of like a overseas thing. Yeah, but like like you know like based on like if you're competing against if if you're an average Joe and you go into yeah. like college, you're competing against yeah like, every single one every single kid there is like very smart. Mm-hmm. So it's once you're in like that pool of you're knocked back to like an average person it, it kind of like damages your um, your self image
1: yeah it,
0: it, it's it's a lot for people, some people that like re- rely on that for identity like right. you said to to process that you, it, you on one hand it's not your entire identity it shouldn't be right. I, I feel like um, it, but it's it, easy to fall into that it is yeah and I I, I, I yeah. hope that like I, all, my, all my friends are getting married so I'm starting to think about that stuff and like my um I, I hope my kids don't have to like go through like i i want to push them hard and on the other hand cuz my parents i kind of like skated by but like yeah. on the other hand like i don't want them
1: to um to not
0: do their best not to be the best person that they can be yeah i know that they could yeah
1: yeah it's it's one thing to um it's one thing to be naturally gifted and to not really have to try it's another thing to be lazy mm-hmm. you know yeah. and and you want to foster you know, do your best, right? Like if you're best, if you're absolute best and you're studying, you know, four, five, six hours and really putting in your time for this exam mm. and you get a 70 or 75, you put in the work, right? Like, is it, is it the best grade? No, but your value is not in that 70 or 75, yeah. you know, your value is in your effort and your, your willingness to put in the time to study yeah. because you would have got a 40 or a 50 <laughs> if you didn't, you know, like that's. Uh, no. So yeah. it's, it's in, in really getting into companies, like talking to employers and, you know, I'll ask them, you know, what, what do you value most in an employee? You know, mm, yeah. it's all every single time. It's, I want I want somebody that's willing to work. I want somebody that's yeah. willing to put in the effort. They don't have to be the best. I can teach them. Yes. You're right. Like after enough time and after enough, you know, effort put into this person, they're willing to invest their time into you. Are you willing to put the time into the material? Are you willing to put your time into grinding to to really make sure that you understand what you're doing and doing it effectively? You know, so yeah, and, you, you can't teach motivation. No, you can't, you can't. You can't. That's, that's one of the few things that.
0: I mean, it's it's unfortunate, but I I, I agree. Like it's it's hard for some people to internalize that if you can't like i mean like you can't leave the horse in water right right so yeah like even like some of the best students that they might be too um reliant on their intelligence yeah and they'll pick someone else i think
1: that's i think that's why a lot of people are hitting the mouth when they get to college is because in high school they didn't have to try and you know maybe got complacent and yeah. you know then they get to college and it's like oh crap you know like i actually have to study for this and it's something yeah. new you know it's like yeah. they haven't ever had to you know uh to to put in long hours to study i mean i remember for thermal i was studying eight nine ten you know sometimes oh, yeah. even more don't hours give
0: me, give me that PTSD. yeah <laughs> it's yeah ter- yeah i, I, yeah. I mean possible. of course
1: you know but like yeah it's uh it, it's a curve for sure man and like uh, like i said i'm i'm very grateful that that central taught me you know hey yeah. you gotta you got to put in the work, you know. If you want the grade, you got to put in the work. It's not going to be something that's just given to you. So, um, but yeah, no, I, that's good, man. I I uh, I always appreciate talking to somebody that you know hasn't always had something just naturally come to them. You know, like it's something that you know we all had to work for. And not that that's a bad thing. You know, if it comes naturally to yeah. you, like cool, man. Like I had to work. You know, like that's yeah, that's that's tough. It you is. know, so. And it's just nice because you know you're able to relate to people a lot more. You know that you know or know what it's like to work and know what it's like to to not have something come naturally. So
0: yeah, well, I've been in school for a long time. I transferred, and one thing I, I finally learned is um, how to prioritize. And I don't want to quote Jocko, but like prioritize and execute. Like the amount of time, there's like diminishing returns, right? Like the eighty twenty rule. You can't mm-hmm. really. Put all your time into something that isn't going to give you the best reward mm-hmm. so like at the beginning of the semester I always figure out how well I'm going to do just based on like if it's if it's thermo I don't think I'm ever going to get an A like no matter how like how hard I make my head out the material but I know I can get a B so I'll, I'll work as hard as I can to get get that B and know that I'll get it but mm-hmm. at a certain point like like there's no more studying I can do, <laughs> so I, yeah. I, I've learned where where that limit is, and that that's where um that's where my uh my time has been uh, distributed at this point. Yeah,
1: everything's an investment. Yeah, like is. whether or not you're talking about you know money or you know buying a house someday or something like that, or whether yeah. or not it's your time, you know, like your time spent trying to pick up a skill or yeah. or you know getting into a hobby, or mm-hmm. it's all an investment, and it's it's uh it's important to know like is it worth. The time and the effort that you're putting in, you know, like for you in in thermo or for me in thermo, like I, I go into it with a mindset of, I know I can do this, you know, like, I know I can do this. I know it's a matter of, can I put in the amount of time required without sacrificing my personal health?
0: Yeah. You know, that that is the limit, right? Yeah. You don't want, yeah. I will work,
1: I will work as hard as anybody else. Your mental health. Until my mental health takes a hit. And then I've got to stop. Like I've got to take a breath. I got to take a breather. I got to take a Uh, break. Like, so that's, I mean, it's,
0: it's, it's, there's games that I played, like I'm not going to eat until I'm done with this assignment. That's such no, a bad, yeah. it's so unhealthy. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And I mean, sometimes wow.
1: it's like, okay, if I can just knock this out, I'll go home and eat, you know, maybe an hour or two later than I normally would. And yeah. that's okay. Yeah. But like, if you get to, you know, three, four, five o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon and you haven't had anything to eat all day, yeah. Stop what you're doing, Ugh. go get food and come back. Like, like I, you've got to take care of your body too. Yeah. Like this, it's, you only get one of these, right? Oh, like, yeah. and your brain uses so many of the calories, like, right. You're, you're
0: like we're the, the monkeys, like compared to our brains. Like yeah. we, we invested all of our energy into making this and apparently it was worth it. So I yeah. guess it's, uh, it's working out for us, but. Like talking to the doctor Pardue, like he uh, he was in consultant, so he knows like companies they'd rather just pay someone that's an expert in like plastic manufacturing mm-hmm. than like built like building a factory just to do it and then figuring all the other extra stuff themselves. So yes. it's it's definitely like in my head, it's um, time is the most valuable resource because you like even billionaires they can't buy more time. Like, yeah, they could get like all the fancy like uh, surgeries or whatever, yeah. but like obviously once you, um, once you get into a certain point, like your, your time is like your and your health is yeah. worth like infinite, like it's worth more than gold. You can't, no, you can't buy it. So. Yeah.
1: Dude, your, your heart only has so many beats in it. And that that scares you, only, you only take but, so um, many breaths, you know, like yeah. that's at, at the end of the day, that's for everybody, yeah. you know? And, and yeah. unfortunately we're all, we're all racing against the clock, you know? Yeah, it's true. Uh, uh,
0: I, when I did my co-op last year, um, I uh, was really unhealthy cause I just, I was just so excited to, you know, work really hard and yeah. prove my worth and also learn as much as I can from like all these like great engineers. And then I, you know, I just started eating out and just trying to get like a takeout for lunch so I could get back to the office yeah. and I just, and stopped going to the gym as much and not, you know, go out and do outdoorsy stuff. And yeah. it, it really it damaged some of the, um like that was like one of some of the worst shape I've ever been in. And I realized that like, even like going through like the pandemic, like I realized like my, my health is like the best investment I could have.
1: Yeah. No. And that's, that's uh, kind of back to what we were talking about earlier with like hobbies. Like, I think that's why there is such a massive value in my mind on, on hobbies and having hobbies and having things outside of work and school. Um, it's because it, it, it's kind of a uh, a natural fail-safe for you where it's like, I've been doing this for so long. I'm tired. I want to do something fun, right? Like, mm-hmm. I want to go to the gym, right? Like, I go to the gym. Uh, I find myself, you know, enjoying lifting weights. I enjoy being taught, you know, that that tired feeling, you know, like that that muscle soreness. Like, yeah. some people hate it. I enjoy it, just like I enjoy hunting and fishing and soccer. Like, oh, yeah. you know, you've got to have other things that, are going to keep you in check, right? Like, if you're working, you know, 12-hour days, Mm -hmm. you know, five days a week, you're not going to have time for anything fun. That should tell you, like, hey, I'm not enjoying myself right now, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe I need to take breaks. Maybe I need to find something that I enjoy and can reset with, Mm -hmm. you know. And that's healthy. That's perfectly healthy. So, Yeah, that's – I'm glad – uh, on one hand, I'm glad that I
0: was able to take some time off during the pandemic because uh, I had like the whole summer. I my internship got canceled. Oh, okay. But uh, I was able, yeah, I was able to like reset mentally and uh, physically and just like really re- reevaluate what was important. Yeah. And like obviously, like the, like during COVID, like health and um, the, my my career, it they were they were kind of um, conflicting because. I I I really appreciated like how much like effort that I was putting in compared to like the the roar that I was gonna get out eventually and like like we talk about like we want to we want when we're like doing all the assignments and we want to quit yeah <laughs> like that those are like the moments where like all right yeah it's it's gonna be worth it in the end but um I really yeah I I I, I don't know what I would do if if I was in a dead end job with, like. Not knowing like what I could do and like destroying my body, like I'm glad like I figured, I figured stuff out now. I, I had to I dropped out and then um I transferred majors because uh, I was originally uh, not my <laughs> G.V. was too low because uh because of calculus to get into mechanical engineering my previous college, but okay. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm like right now I'm I'm I don't think I'm gonna have a midlife crisis because I know like this is like what I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. So it's gonna be. I'll be all right.
1: Yeah. I, like I said, it's an investment, you know, and like it's, it's the time that you put in before now to get to this stage, yeah. you know. Um, and that's, I transferred in as well. I transferred in after my sophomore year. Um, out of high school, I went to Union University out in Jackson, Tennessee, um, and played soccer there. Um, did engineering school out there. And uh, it was uh, it was tough. Uh, but I, uh, I'm i grateful that, you know, um, let's see here. Get this yeah. mic fixed. Yeah, that's good cool okay
0: that's um, right, thanks
1: yeah but uh, I I was grateful for the experience it was tough it was grueling uh, lots of late nights bus rides like 14 hours down to Louisiana you know oh, or down okay. to Florida and you have an 8am exam you get back at 2 o'clock in the morning 3 o'clock in the morning Yeah, that's. Yeah, that's I mean it was it was it was miserable for lack of a better term. Um in the school it's a great school. It's a very rigorous school, um, which is good, you know. Um, but I do think the change was much needed and honestly COVID provided that change like it kinda of forced me like um I ended up losing a job and wasn't able to pay for, you know, tuition there. It's it's a fairly expensive school. Um, but it forced me to kind of reevaluate where I was at and I you know, I, I sat down and just kinda of, wrote out a list of pros and a list of cons to, tra- you know, staying or transferring, you know, and, um, I, I am, I am very, very happy with my decision to come to tech. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's been great. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: It's good to have that moment now compared to, you know, some people have it when they're, they have a family or yeah. they're, they're, they're like in their actual midlife. And it's, it's, it's really hard. Like once you get into like the groove of things for a lot of people to, to make a huge change and to I don't know a lot of people like the base their identity on like what they're doing or mm-hmm. what, um, where they're at at their point of life. So it's, I, I, I feel bad for when you have to, you know, you have to just rip the band aid off and it's going to hurt, but it's a better decision. But it's easier just to escape, just keep on going. Yeah. And yeah, it's, I'm, I'm like, some of those moments where like, I, I need to, I need a transfer. I, I should have done it a lot earlier, but I didn't. And looking back at it, like, I'm so glad that I did. And I didn't just, you know, I, I wouldn't, I'd be miserable if I just kept on going in the the path I was. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. Same here. I
1: yeah. mean, I will say if there's anybody in the, in the tech transfer, uh, you know, office for, uh, engineering, um, yeah, it, it kind of sucked coming here because I had to uh, retake like an entire year's worth of classes. Yeah, but with an ABET accredited program, so the same accreditation, yeah. you know. And for me, like, I've I've been able to come to Tech and I've been able to flourish, but I almost ended up finding a different school because, you know, they wanted me to retake something like 17 hours. And right. I was yeah. like... Uh, no. Was it because uh, of the union classes were not like compatible? Some, yeah, something to do with that. Um, I had a couple classes that were, uh, like a combination of, of things, you know, Uh, like, like, uh, say like a thermo one and heat transfer or something like that. uh, So, which, and I under, I understand, you know, where they're like, okay, you know, you, you did these two things that we have in two, you know, separate semesters, but I would, I would think that there would be some kind of exam or some kind of, mm-hmm. you know, like, what do you know? Like if you, if you do take this exam and you score a set an 80, you know, like yeah. you have to make an 80 in order to get credit for this class. Like just something because like, and I understand there's also money involved, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. tuition and stuff like that. You know, you get another full year out of a student that transferred in. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, instead of just getting two out of me, you know, they got three. Um, it's just at the same time, it's like, man, this is another year of my life you know, like, you know, yeah. but, and uh, like I said, I understand it's just kind of unfortunate. And I think they're probably losing a lot of transfer students because of that. So, yeah, I, I mean, I had
0: to do the same thing. And yeah.
1: I I've, I think it's because of the, uh, they had to uh, do one class
0: for like one transfer credit yeah. hours for the same amount. So yeah, they can't really break it up. But I, I do think they, they have like, you can test into classes and, um, you had to go go through a whole thing for that, so right. I don't know if they advertise that.
1: Yeah, it was just a big mess, honestly. Yeah. Like, and, Ugh, and transferring was, is such a pain. Yeah, dude, I beat my head against the wall many a nights trying to figure things out. But like I said, I'm very grateful for tech. Oh, yeah. I've enjoyed my seniors. time here. We're, yeah, yeah, and we're, so, we're seniors, and, so we're, and uh, we just get to take a victory lap, I guess. Pretty so, much, so.
0: honestly, this cl- yeah. this semester has been so easy that I started doing so much other stuff. I know. <laughs> it's like um, compared to the, this numbers the stress level of like fresh i think it's like freshman year is a huge learning curve and then you you like kind of settle in and then they like throw another one at you for fun like a junior year with like yeah. taking all like the thermo and heat transfer like what the actual once you get into your major and your actual engineering classes mm-hmm. like the first weed out is for all the for college and the second weed out is for is this major for you and yeah. if, if you could pass it then you're good yeah but, what
1: class do you think it was that was like the uh the can you hang class with the engineers
0: yeah, so for the first, uh, for the second one, um, around junior year, it's because heat transfer for me. Uh, I haven't taken DMC yet, but I, I, I'll, I think I'll do okay because I'm I'm pretty good at that stuff. But I was never good at like the thermo stuff. It's just it's just so different compared to like I'm good at solids, so I'm good at like statics, dynamics, mechanical yeah. materials. I did uh, very well in, but just some of like the abstract like systems where you're like just the entire page is like one cycle. You like just describe every single
1: thing in the auto cycle. Yeah.
0: Like it just, <clears throat> I don't know. My brain doesn't really uh, like doing that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so. no, it's, I, I would probably have to say Thermo one yeah. uh, was, was probably the, Hey, are you serious about this? You know, like, cause yeah. if you're not serious, Thermo one and Cal two, Cal two and Cal three, I I'm I'm good at math. I have uh, you know, it's not one of those things that I didn't have to study for, but Cal two was a butt kicker for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, I'd have to say thermo one or I thought thermo two was good. I had Albanosa for thermo two. I did so, yeah, so same. Yeah. Did you, when did you take that? Uh, thermo two. Uh, let's see. That would have been uh fall last year. Okay, so yeah.
0: 21. Yeah. Uh, I took it with him uh, fall 20 no, spring 21 during the uh, snowpocalypse. Oh yeah, yeah, so yeah. So we had um we had the spring break and then we had an entire week off. And then he had his first midterm. Oh, when you came uh, back? And we came back that Wednesday. So I just I don't know. I I I, I had power the entire time. I was just like chilling cuz yeah. like my mind was just like I've been out of school for so long. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm barely like in the in the mode yeah. of like studying and man that first exam, when you are doing all the cycles, yeah, I think I got like a thirty on it just because oh, no. the first question was like like half the exam, yeah. and it was just it, there were just so many like processes. He did
1: like one in depth. He did like you know one maybe you know like a uh, more surface level yeah, type, yeah, and then I one that was kind remember. of medium. My
0: mind is like blocked that out. Yeah. Luckily,
1: I got a B in that class just because
0: I went to office hours and like um, we have, we have a good relationship now. Yeah, but um, yeah. man, yeah, those. Those those times where you just you put in like a decent effort, or you're you're putting in your max effort, and you you just don't do as well as you you hoped. It's just it really like if if you don't have a good a good foundation of yeah. Like yeah like uh confidence or self identity, like it really like it messes with you. <laughs> it messes with your head. Like, yeah, am I smart enough? Like, obviously, if you're in college, you're smart <laughs> enough. Like, it's just not really like. It's something that they don't really teach. They're yeah. in college,
1: yeah. Yeah, uh, I had a similar thing happen with uh, Dr. Henderson in statics uh, when I was taking statics, and uh, there was a miscommunication about what material would or would not be on an exam. It was like the exam was on like a Thursday, and uh, he was introducing some new material or something like that on a Tuesday. And uh, I remember I ended up sending him an email after the exam because some material had shown up that I did not prepare for. it was the
0: day before uh, the class before. Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah.
1: And, And, uh, (laughs) and so I ended up sending him an email and just said, Hey, Dr. Henderson, you know, like I, I, I don't believe that my score is going to reflect my knowledge on this information. Uh, I did not prepare for, you know, and he he actually ended up, um, sending me a, he, he called me and, uh, You know, I answered the phone. It was kind of one of those, like, I kind of expected, like, a spam call because it was, like, a random number. And uh, he was like, Elijah, this is Dr. Henderson. You know, I just want to talk about the exam a lot. And uh, super understanding, like, super great guy. was very grateful for that interaction because uh, it taught me, you know, like, about communicating, about, you know, like, was... Was there some miscommunication with, you know, and, yeah. and, and being professional about that, you yeah. know, and, and, uh, I, I'm very grateful for that experience. Cause that, that's taught me a lot about, you know, just remaining calm, not allowing your, you know, your emotions and your upset, you know, like the state of being upset, determine how you're going to interact with the person, you know, that, that, uh, you know, like I said, maybe some miscommunication or whatever the issue might be. So, um, but yeah,
0: um, uh, yeah, I was, um, yeah, I had the same thing with Dr. Abner Nasef. Yeah, like the communication. Like, I talked to him about how professors are usually the people that uh, say things that are way over your head, and then they give you the bad grade because <laughs> you didn't understand the material. Yeah, but they're they're just people, and you can you yeah. can talk to them. Yeah, it's it's fine.
1: Yeah, so. and it and honestly, like sometimes it it's just as much like you as it is the person communicating with you, and it's like there's got to be some self reflection in there too. Oh yeah, so.
0: Yeah. I wish there was like more things that, um, the college taught you that you have to like basically learn on your own, like, um,
1: life, (laughs) life skills. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, there's certain things that I wish, I mean, that I wish that they they wouldn't teach. Like, I don't know. I I feel like gen eds are just like filler, but there's a lot of like, um, I don't know, finance stuff or like, um, psychology stuff that I feel like they should teach that. I mean, obviously like should, like it's, it's subjective, but, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think something that would probably really help engineers, especially is a, like a financial management class, you know, and just like, cause a lot of us have never had money. Like I grew up on food stamps. So like uh, having yeah. money, you know, is something very foreign to me, um, which luckily like God's blessed me and my family since, you know, me getting into college. Um, you know, my, my parents are doing pretty well now, but um, you know, we didn't always have it. And so when I get out in the, you know, the industry and I'm making, you know, the engineering money, it's like, okay, what do I do with it? You know? But, um, that's, that's one thing. If, if I could, I would go back and take like a financial management type class. Oh yeah, for
0: sure. Like, I mean, the, the reason why people go into engineering is you just need a BA and then you're going to be making close to six figures after a couple of years. So you're going to be good. Yeah. Going from that to like, I don't know, if, if you had like from your situation, it's you just got to like cool down on the Amazon and and then like a uh don't know, buy lottery tickets and stuff yeah. like that. Like, it just, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of things that, like a finance class, like even from a engineering background, we're talking about like accountants, Did, uh, I don't think you took DFM with, um, over the summer with Dr. Pardew, but like he, he emphasized a lot that engineers, they think about everything, but the money, <laughs> like we can make the most, the strongest, the the most efficient yeah. thing in the world. And then the, the, the bean counters are like, uh, th- that costs how much? Yeah. Like we, uh, we don't really think about like <laughs> the cause of like, yeah. We we're here to like make money for the company, which means don't spend all of
1: it. Right. <laughs> so it kind of, uh, yeah,
0: would, that would definitely help.
1: Yeah. That's, uh, so you the, the hoisting rating crew, they had me write a proposal for like, uh, so it was like a $1.2 million crane. Uh, it was like a 300 ton. No, sorry. 200 ton Lee bear crane, you know, and Lee is like the top line, you know, has the, the software and it's crazy, but, uh, yeah, no, that's, I'm an intern working on a $1.2 million proposal, you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah. So just some pocket change, you know, but for them, yeah, Yeah. for them. But yeah, I'm sitting there and I'm like, Oh, this is a lot of responsibility for an intern, you know, but it was cool. You know, like I got to go and look at a whole bunch of different like lift diagrams and learn about, you know, several different, you know, crane systems and whatnot. But yeah. Did, um, did you have
0: like a bunch of like editors or people like sign off on it eventually?
1: Yeah. So like the thing is out there, there's always at least three, four or five people that look at your work, even engineering calculations. Like it, it passes through probably four or five different desks before yeah. it gets the stamp of approval um, and, and moves on. So that is a nice thing. Like, it, you know, you, you go through, you do all your work and then you have other people that, you know, senior engineers that have done similar calculations and, and know like, okay, yeah, this is acceptable. And, uh, if it's not, you know, they'll, they'll bring it up and it's a very professional environment. They're like, Hey, you know, like you might want to look at this or you might want to, you know, give you a reference to something or so like for me, I had never used a steel manual before I got to U and steel manuals have basically like different codes and different, um, different, uh, tolerances that you're, you're required to meet based on what the company is operating under. So, yeah. um, different ANSI standards and, and whatnot. Yeah. So, um, but also just like some different stress calculation formulas and whatnot that they want you to use instead of, you know, maybe the one out of uh, your, yeah. you know, yeah, different models textbook. Yeah. Yeah. More yeah. conservative or more, um, right. More conservative, more, more lean, you know, or more lenient, um, yeah. rarely the more lenient side, but, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so but, um, yeah, that's, that's definitely,
0: uh, 1.2 million. Yeah. I, th- I think f- f- most I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I spent like six figures at my internship and yeah. like, I don't know. I was just like, I think I had like two people look at it as so a, um, I'm, I'm I, at a certain point. Like once you get your PE, you're you're the one that's signing off on it. Right. That, that's, that's scary. I don't know yeah. if I'll ever uh, do
1: that. But, at like, that point you've, you've, uh, you've done that horse and horse and pony show a few times. I so. so, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's that's not something that, like you don't get your MBA right out of college, and right. you don't get your PE right out of uh, yeah. your bachelor's in engineering because you have, you have to go through all the stuff that like like Doctor Party said like you don't bore it out on the inside and then like try to make them like do the uh, the number because the because uh, this thing that machinists will hate and they they know like they know they know more than you about like the actual like manufacturing part compared to like some engineer that's like oh just make this you know like. Point zero zero whatever, yeah, millimeter uh, bearing like that's not gonna that's not gonna fly, right? But um, yeah, that's that's definitely awesome. Uh, I want to talk about the soccer because yeah, definitely like here, there's a things that we, they're big in uh, in the Tennessee and also in America, but also like I I wasn't expecting that you'd be into soccer, but since you played it, like well, what um, what did you position did you play?
1: Yeah, I was in, a center back, so I played like center defense. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so uh, when did you start playing? So, I started playing, like, just for fun, like, as a kid. Like, I I was probably four. Yeah. But uh, I didn't start playing competitively, like, on a travel team until eighth grade. So, I was a little bit late to the party, but... Um, still ended up.
0: Yeah, that's that's crazy that kids they get started so young. Yeah, they're,
1: they're, you're late because you're in. Yeah. Eighth grade. Well, that's a lot of my buddies started playing fourth and fifth grade. You know, yeah. so I was I was a football player. I played baseball. I played all the other sports, and so um, yeah. I knew in high school I wanted to get really good at one sport so that I could hopefully get some scholarship money off of it. And uh, I enjoyed soccer the most, so I said, you know what, we'll we'll give up football, we'll give up baseball, and start playing soccer. You know serious and and uh I had a really good coach that poured a lot of time and effort into me um which I'm really grateful for Jason Finley he's a he's a great guy but um yeah he's he he taught he took me from being your classic football player you know no foot skills nothing like that uh, to being a, a a solid defender you know and and actually understanding the game so um yeah he's he I give him all credit for me being able to play soccer at all in college so no,
0: that's great because, um, yeah, you played and you got a scholarship when you were at Union, right? Yeah, yeah. so yeah, I was... How was that experience being a student athlete besides the uh, exams <laughs> yeah. the day after yeah. driving 13 hours?
1: Yeah. Uh, I I am very, very grateful for Union. Um, the relationships that I built there and uh, the, the professors there that I had, uh, it's a very small engineering program. I think I went in with like 36 engineering students in my freshman class. And when I left at the end of sophomore year, there were five. <laughs> so uh very, very small, um so I ended up leaving there and coming here where you have five hundred you know other students or yeah. six hundred or whatever the number is some ridiculous number um but uh yeah being a student athlete is is very very tough, very tough um I don't know how other people do it with nursing or you know uh with with engineering or anything like that and playing a school sport it's it's ridiculous it's very very hard, especially if you don't have somebody that's actively like helping you get caught up because you're always behind the curve as a student athlete. Really? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to stay on top of things just because you're traveling so much and you've yeah. got so much class time that you miss while you're traveling and you've got exams to prepare for at the same time while you've missed class. It's like, yeah. it's just always playing catch up, man. So, so you have multiple games during the week. Is that yeah. Well, so we usually had one game a week, but during practice time and whatnot, like, um, You know, or if we're traveling, you know, we might leave on a Thursday for a Friday game. Yeah. You know, Um, okay. So so, it's two days. Yeah. Right. So it's a domino effect type thing. So, yeah, that's all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't, I have no idea how, um, how other students do it because, I, I know some might get some like you know leniency if they're on the football team. And they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, this, the professors or like they, they'll take communications or some major that is not as rigorous. But yeah, man, it, it blows my mind. Some like, I don't know, they go to like some Ivy League or they do some like uh, ridiculous major like like engineering. Like you could maybe get away with it, but like something like nursing where you need to do like residency or like, you have so many more hours, yeah, cl- clinical, yeah, clinical type stuff, stuff like that. Like, yeah, it just how much time do you have during a week? And then you just already eating up by, you know, practice and yeah. traveling the games. and then
1: getting enough sleep and eating and trying to keep your body in a fit, you know, like in, at a competitive level. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, it's ridiculous, man. It's crazy. I don't, I don't know. I had, a, so one of my good friends at, at union, uh, my freshman, no, Sorry my sophomore year roommate, he ended up, uh, getting married, uh, this past summer to, uh, the star volleyball player. And she was a nursing major. She is a nurse now. Um, uh, but she was like all Gulf South conference, like crazy, super athletic. Um, and she was a phenomenal nurse. Like she, she is a phenomenal nurse and she's extremely smart, very gifted. Um, but like I, I would talk to her and I'm like, you know, how are you how did you do this? Like, you know, and, uh, it's kind of the same thing where we're talking about, you know, Thermo one struggles and like putting in, you know, like your brain just blocks it out. You know, it's, it's kind of the same thing for her. It's like, Oh yeah, I did do that. You know, like, um, and, and questioning yourself, like, can I keep up? Can I be, uh, not only can I, can I study and stay on top of things, but can I do it well, you know? and, And, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not a good time. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you, you talked about like, uh, the kids
0: going up at your, um, Murfreesboro and yeah. like those, those kids that are just like way different and they're like how their brain works. Just the way I, they I, function. Yeah, man. I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not that type of person. Me either. I need to like, you know, blow some steam off eventually, but yeah, yeah, just, just if you have to calculate like how much sleep and how many calories you're eating like, yeah. at that point, like you're just like, that is on another level. Yeah. Of,
1: um, it, I, uh, let's see. I went back uh, last spring. I, I saw my, um, my school played in the uh, – I think it was the, the county championship game or the conference championship game uh, for soccer, and mm-hmm. I didn't know a single one of the players on the field because they, I had graduated by the time they got in mm-hmm. to, to Central. I feel old. But, um, I, I remember I had to go in and use the bathroom and I remember walking in the front doors and it was like a big PTSD thing where I was like, oh, you know, like that, that like just a flashback, you know, yeah. to like being overloaded with work and like trying to juggle 57 different things at the same yeah. time, you know, like, uh, yeah, no, it's, I don't know how other people did it. I don't know how the, the kids that got, you know, the 36 and were, you know, like the top student and, you know, I, I don't get it, man. They they're just different. They're different animals. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, you talked about
0: like how um we go through those times where the the, student, uh, the professors are trying to push us to the edge, and there, there's definitely times where like, you you can be made or broken, and it really um it really changes my perspective. Like when <laughs> I'm starting to talk to like these like grad students, like students like you that are like very high achievers compared to like. There, there are. I mean, you could just get by without doing any internships. Like, get a decent GPA, and it really like the people that are surround you. They really push you like to mm. the next level. Like, you see like their habits, and you see that yeah, they they are not just like skating by based on their God-given talent, or yeah. that they actually like put in the work on top of that. There's always someone that has is talented, but there's always someone that is uh, talented and they work hard. Those are yeah. people that are, like bull- that they just like are. You, you, unbelievable levels of performance. Yeah,
1: so. yeah, it, it's uh, um, a a willingness to work and a willingness to put in effort. Yeah, is is like we said earlier, it, it's very important. Yeah. So, and and it shows. It's it's not something that goes unnoticed. You know, oh, like definitely. I feel like a lot of people put in effort, and uh, a lot of times they might not see the immediate results, but that professor might be paying attention. You know, mm-hmm. and if you build a good rapport, with that professor, and he finds mm-hmm. out, hey, you know, like. I'm looking for an internship. He knows you're willing to work hard, you know, and he can put in a good word or the other people that are studying with you, you know, like uh, you never know where any of our classmates are going to end up, you know, and uh, each one of those people that you talk to is a connection. So, Yeah. And definitely,
0: um, like seeing like a LinkedIn, like people that have worked at NASA or like Tesla or places like, I don't know. I've, I really have I like. I used to be a lone wolf, so I yeah. I, I, I I appreciate the type of um, people that I've been able to speak to. Yeah. And so what what have you uh, What do you think about the uh, the World Cup? Do you uh, root for the national team?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I actually I was uh, I was blessed to play in Brazil and in Colombia. Um, Colombia did oh, not wow. make the tournament, but um, so I'm I'm a of course a U.S. fan. Number yeah. one, but uh, Brazil's Brazil is like a second home to me. So I oh, really you uh, played there, like yeah, for, uh, yeah. So our, I got yeah. I got to play in Brazil twice. Actually, uh, I did two different tours with the uh, Charlotte Eagles. Uh, it's a, uh, a Christian organization, and basically, we go down there and uh, use soccer uh, to do ministry work. So um, yeah, I was I was blessed to be invited to play on that team. We got to play on some crazy fields, like some beautiful beautiful fields down there um we got to meet some really amazing people um and uh yeah no that was that was a huge blessing um i i actually got invited on that team the the person that put that team together was actually a rival teams coach oh wow so he ended up seeing me play uh we played against them in the state tournament every year and uh he invited me um because he was able to you know he's he's reaching out to different players uh to try and build a uh obviously a good team. And then to take that team down to Brazil to play. So, um, yeah, no, I was, I was very blessed to be able to, to go on that trip and it it gave me a, a, a very different perspective than anything, you know, else had ever given me in my life. So, um, just the many blessings that we have in America, you know, it it just brings everything into perspective.
0: Yeah, especially Brazil, man. That the level of uh, like poverty, it's it's unfortunate. It's like compared to like, you can see like the favelas, in, yeah, uh, the mountains, and then all like the whole the beach is all, the, yeah, you know, yeah, higher, and it's upper class people. It,
1: it, yeah, it amazes me too because the people there are more giving than than any other people that I've met. You know, it's it's. I remember I walked this this uh, little kid home after one of our games. We had spent uh, some time with some of the local kids in in one of the neighborhoods and. Uh, I remember walking him back to his house and, uh, you know, it's like dirt floors, you know, dirt walls, all this kind of stuff. And the mom invited us in and she said, do you want coffee? You know, do you want like they have nothing and they're willing to give everything, you know, just just because you're there and you're pouring into their kids and like it's just. It's crazy to me, you know, mm-hmm. from, from somewhere like where we flush toilet paper here, they don't flush toilet paper over there. Like their pipe systems are too small to oh, handle no. toilet paper. So it's like, even just the small stuff, like their shower heads are electric. They use mm-hmm. resistance inside of it and, and the electrical current to heat the water. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, it's crazy. And it, yeah. it, it, really was a very humbling experience. So, yeah, um, and that's like, honestly, soccer if if for nothing else to get me to Brazil to have that experience it was completely worth it all the energy and all the time I spent uh, you know practicing and, and trying to become a, a good player like that experience alone is probably I'd say the most valuable experience I think I've gained in my wow. life so
0: what was the other country
1: Colombia mm-hmm. yeah, yeah similar um, level Sim- and- very similar uh, yeah. it's actually very mountainous there um, I don't mm-hmm. know if you knew that but there's there's a lot of Mountain and terrain. Um, uh, Medellin is where I spend a lot of my time. Um, we got to actually play against Medellin FC, uh, their, wow. their academy, so yeah, it okay. was not that was, the actual, the uh, not the full team. not the professional, not the, profession, not the we played their U23s, so they're, they're under 23. I'm sure they're very good, crazy. Teams. I mean, these guys are going and playing in the Colombian League, you know, yeah. like so. But people yeah. come, like, I, I played with a pair of uh, twin brothers that left their family like three hours away to move to Medellin to play for Medellin FC. Wow. And they're, you know, trying to make it, you know? Yeah. So it's uh, but yet again, also doing ministry work while you're down there and and reaching people and connecting like it, it's, it's just, it's an amazing experience. I would highly recommend anybody that gets the opportunity to do that with any sport, do it. Like it's, it's well worth the time and the effort. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Did you, uh, have to, do you speak Spanish
1: or did no. they speak English? No, I, uh, they, we had a translator, uh, both in Brazil and in Colombia. Yeah. And Portuguese um, in Brazil, yeah, Portuguese in Brazil. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we had a translator with us and, and we able to communicate with the locals that way. But, uh, there were a fair amount of people that had some English, you know, experience and, and, you know, most other countries take English. So, um, we're. That's a, that's another thing is, like, you know, we, we take maybe a couple of years of another language where they're taking yeah. English for, you know, five, six years, yeah. you know, just trying to become proficient in it. So, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people go to night school in Brazil to learn English. Oh, wow. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really humbling to go to, you know, a country, like, even, um, like, when I go back to China, there's a lot of poverty there. And yeah. just seeing, like, growing up with dirt floors or working on a farm your entire life, it's... It really puts into perspective yeah. <laughs> like how how yeah. lucky our how guys blessed are. we are. Like yeah. we
1: have literally everything is in the palm of our hand in in America. Yeah. And like so many people don't know any different and they just take it for granted, yeah. you know. It's all they
0: had, so I mean, they can complain about it, but Yeah. It's I don't know. I I I immigrated here, so my my parents have done very well, so I can't complain. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I'm man. very very happy to via the citizen it's the land
1: of opportunity yeah you know and and life is what you make it and and what you're willing to put time into so right now for us that's college you know in six months that'll be you know wherever we end up working yeah so but yeah yeah.
0: i I really um i'm grateful for where we're at and it's, it's been a great ride. Even yeah. The ups and downs, you can't have a the light without the darkness, yeah, right? So
1: for sure. And it just makes like, it makes that time that you spent just grinding away, studying, like yeah. it, it, it makes it all worth it. Oh yeah. You know? So, whereas like if it was just given to you, it's like, oh, I didn't do anything for this. Yeah. You can't appreciate it yeah. if you grew up. Yeah. But, um,
0: man, what has it been like? We're well, almost at three hours. <laughs> so, oh uh, man, was, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. I I've, haven't done this long before but i most of the time it like it kind of fizzles out but we just kept on going yeah and Uh i I mean everything you talked about like i appreciate like uh people that with hobbies like you talking about like going um hunting or soccer or even like passion engineering it's 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 great to talk to people about um what they're passionate about yeah i appreciate you taking the time yeah i
1: appreciate the opportunity it's been fun
0: yeah